Hey everyone, this is Dallas Goldtooth with the Indigenous Environmental Network, and this is Q4 Radio in Chicago. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. Boom! To to the German people, who is Father Christmas? Father Christmas is a vagabond, <laughs> bent by age, bereft of companionship. His only friend. A pine stick <laughs> severed from its roots, slowly desiccating, forever a burden like children. Okay, but just to be clear, just to be clear, Germans love him, right? Yes. As Bleak winter descends like a shroud over Germany. His meager gifts are the only distraction from the hovering darkness. The wolf of oblivion, forever licking at our doors with his eternal tongue until we become too weak to fight and lie down to be taken by the cold embrace of the snow. <laughs> Would you care for a candied cane? Oh, well, thank you very much. That's nice. It represents the emotional crutch of the, of the season's empty frivolity. Each gift a grim foreboding of the final box in which we will all be wrapped. A gift only to the worms. Well, that's about all we have time for. Thanks. Thank you so much. Oh, look. We are under the mistletoe. Yes, I, I, uh, I, I see that we are. Its berries are a deadly poison, <laughs> like hope. All right, Merry Christmas, Moon Ambassador. Thank you so much for joining me. Santa Claus is a lie. He's a big, fat, red-faced lie. He's a roly-poly lie in a big red suit. He's a jolly old lie in big black boots. Oh, Santa Claus is a lie. Live from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, just this side of the concrete-encrusted banks of the North Branch of the Chicago River, it's The Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program, heard every Sunday on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. don't fly and big fat guys don't fit very nimbly down the chimbley. Santa Claus is a lie. It's a long way to Tipperary. That's why he's riding the Megabus. Here he is, Mike Novak. Come on, kids. Santa Claus is a lie. He's a big fat stinking lie. Yeah. He's a nasty old See, 
And I forgot to, uh, well, my apologies, folks. I forgot to give the usual warning to parents out there. Cover their ears. Uh, but uh, if you're listening to the show on a Sunday morning, you already know what you're getting. So I'm hoping that there are no kids in the room at all. So, But that wasn't true. Whatever he just sang, that was just. It was a lie. That, <laughs> but um, but Wait, I, I wish. There we go. If I had the drum roll up there, I would, uh, or the rim shot, I would do that as well. Hey, good morning, everybody. As I was walking in the door, Peggy Malecki, I'm looking out, and the flakes were starting to come down. Uh-oh. Uh, no, that's good stuff. It's it's winter. That's what we want, you know? We want, uh, let want snow. snow. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. <sighs> okay. Well, you know, it's got to happen sometime yeah. or another. So that yeah. is uh, uh, Peggy Malecki, uh, publisher of Natural Awakenings magazine. And, you know, I was listening to the uh, beginning of this. Um, you, you heard the bit at the beginning, which was from the Colbert Report. Um, and all I could think of is, gosh, I miss the Colbert Report. Um, I don't watch those late night talk shows. I don't, I, I, I haven't done that in 30 years. So I don't see Stephen Colbert anymore. Nope. I see him on a clip every now and then that somebody posts on YouTube or something or Facebook, you know, don't watch any of those guys. And they're all guys. Believe me, they're yes. all guys. Yes. They're all white. So, uh, and you know, the other thing I was thinking and, and, and uh, that we have a whole new meaning for this year is white Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm telling oh. you, I'm not the first one who's going to bring that up. So it, it gives old the, white Christmas. It gives old white. <laughs> all right, old white Christmas. Do 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 do. Yep, I'm dreaming of an old white Christmas. I kind of like that idea. All right, no, I don't like that idea. Tell you the truth. Uh, let's make sure that this is working. Okay. It's working. Let All right, clear. there it is. Just wanted. Oops, I gotta put the single on because they forget to do that here. Um, um, don't mind me. I'm just. I'm just punching just buttons, buttons here. Over here. Hey, we got a great show for you today on the fourth of December, which was my mom's birthday. Believe it or not. So happy birthday, mom! Happy birthday. Where, wherever you are. Um, and um, uh, actually, we have uh, in the studio someone who is. A uh, person who understands a little bit about Germans. Yes, I, right. Wait, oh, Ein bisschen. What? Ein bisschen. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. What was what was the thing you heard in the airport? The word "ausgeblieft." Ausgeblieft. That's in the Netherlands. Yeah. Right. But we wanted to. We're gonna. St- that's the word of the that's day. That's the word of the day. Ausgeblieft. And what right. does "ausgeblieft" mean? Roughly, please. Like, sorry. Excuse me. It's like the British going, sorry, sorry. It's probably a little like bitter in German. Bitter. It can mean a lot of things. But ah, basically, please. Okay. What's our, ours is okay, isn't it? Yeah. Okay means everything. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, or British, yeah. right, right. 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 Uh, Ausdeblief. Ausdeblief. So, so let me, uh, wait. Write this down. Write so this how, down so I can... How do we spell that? Yeah, how do you spell... Oh, Al- gosh, I think it's A-L-S-T-U-B-L-I-E-F-T. 
and our language, our word. Uh, this is oh, this is an educational show, folks. If you want education, <laughs> which is it, it's going to be in short supply in the next four years in America, you'll have to tune in to this program. Definitely. That's that's how that's going to work. Stock up, listen to the podcast, re-listen to the podcast over and over and over. Austerblief. Um, right. And so we're going to just say that every time we make a mistake here, every time we hit the wrong button, ah, oh, austerblief. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, that is Milani Eckner, uh, who is our uh, language uh, teacher today. Um, she is from the Chicago Sustainability Leaders Network, which is a part of what's the seventy-seven uh, accelerate accelerate seventy-seven yeah accelerate seventy-seven. I knew it was the seven seventy-seven Sunset Strip. That's what it's part of. No, Excel. You, do you even does that mean anything to you? Accelerate 77? No, 77 <laughs> Sunset Strip. Faintly. It was a TV show. Yes. Oh, my God, I'm old. <laughs> I am so old. I don't own a television. <laughs> you don't? You know, how, this oh, was a long time ago. Okay, though. how does that work? You just don't buy it. <laughs> I know it, but it, what if you've already gone down that road? and You don't have to watch it. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. Um, for the last three weeks... I have watched very little television. Uh, I have certainly not watched a news show since November 8th. I have not watched a single news program, not cable, not network, not... I watched one part of one local newscast, and as I was watching it, I kind of went, ew, and I did a little... I threw up in my mouth a little bit because it was so insipid. Uh, you know, and this is how things are put into perspective. I'm one of those guys, and you hear that you you hear this on the radio, and you read this now after this election, three weeks down the road now, uh, who have checked out. I've checked out. I really yeah. have. I've checked out. It's like I cannot. I I, I I I will open my computer and I will glance at the headlines to see what fresh hell awaits us on this mm-hmm. day and in the you know on January twentieth. And I then I shut it down, and I go to my work and uh, whatever that is, answering emails and doing environmental stuff and keeping track of that. Uh, but uh, as for politics, uh-uh, done. I'm done for now, and 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 I don't know when I'm going back. I, I you know I'm I am like the rest of the Americans who voted for that guy, um, President Petulant, President Twelve Year Old, um, President Elect Twelve Year Old. Sorry. Or someone I know who now calls him president-elect dump. Uh, that's fine. All those work. But I'm, I've decided to turn myself into those people, which is low-information voter. Hmm. So I don't know what's going on. I'm not paying attention because I know I'm, my blood pressure is just going to go up. Why, why would I do that to myself? That just seems insane. Uh, but then how do I get through the next four years? That's what I want to know. So that's why I'm asking you, how do you get rid of your television set? That's a really, really good thing. And, and actually, I posted on Facebook – Social media, that's one way you get rid of it. You just you live vicariously through your Facebook friends uh, and just look at all the video clips they send you. Uh, but I, I did put the, uh, the charge out to people several weeks ago, like, how do I get rid of Comcast because they're the evil empire? And don't tell me to go to AT&T because they're just another evil empire. Um, I want to get rid of those two, but I still want Internet. Mm-hmm. I got to have Internet, but I don't need a TV. Um, so what else do I need there? You know, I know there's Netflix and stuff, but how do you set that up without having to pay 
money to the either of the evil empires. That's it's actually kind of tough because some people go, well, I just have Comcast for my internet, and, or I just have AT and T for my. Well, no, no, stop, stop right there. No, you've already crossed the line. You've gone too far. I don't want to give my money to either of those horrible, horrible companies. What do I do? Monopolies here. Um, We're stuck with these monopolies. Right. It's like America's supposed to be, yeah, capitalism. (laughs) Uh, I scoff at your capitalism. I scoff at you. You think you got capitalism. (laughs) I I scoff. Austerblief. Austerblief. Excuse me. Excuse me. I kind of went off there. Okay. Else to be. Write that down so I can see it because I'm I not going to read it. Did you tweet it? Oh, there it is. It's a great word. <laughs> it's up there on the tweet. Everybody. No, no, no. Hashtag else to believe. You put just else to believe. You got to do it. Hashtag else I'm such to- a loser today. <laughs> okay. Uh, on the show today is the woman who's sitting in front of us who's being really patient and teaching us foreign languages without actually getting to the subject matter because this is what we do at the beginning of the show. We just, we ease people into this stuff. Okay, relax, everybody. Roll your head. Okay, roll your head. Now your shoulders, your shoulders. Roll your shoulders. Okay, there we go. Stretch. Stretch. You should lead the way because you've got that, the the touchy-feely magazine, so you do it. Um, Come on. What else? What else are we supposed to do? Stretch your back. Ouse to bleep. I got your ouse to bleep right here, pal. Uh, on the show, uh, Melanie Eckner from Chicago Sustainability Leaders Network, part of Accelerate 77, and they have been out in the streets, believe it or not, going to communities. This is so amazing because I've been fighting this battle for a decade or a little more, trying to get people how to figure out how to recycle in Chicago. And for the longest time, the Chicago Recycling Coalition was basically the only group out there that cared that that was happening or not happening it's so nice to have allies uh in that uh realm now because the city for the longest time has been eh, indifferent has waxed indifferent basically about that which is but they seem to be more engaged now so that's a good thing that's the good thing that the city does seem to be uh, more interested in how things get recycled and how we can uh, get rid of the contamination. And I mean, the idea, well, and we'll talk about this in a second. Let's get the recycling rates up, but they haven't talked about that so much as how do we eliminate the, um, the um, what's the, the word? Contamination. contamination. Thank you. Contamination in, uh, in the recycling carts. Um, that's one way to do it. The other way is just get people to put more stuff in there. It's both. It's two ends of the same stick. So, uh, Melanie, we'll talk about that. But before we get to her, we're going to call Mel Nickerson from the Illinois Recycling Association. He's also going to be part of this conversation. But he's not just going to talk about the uh, recycling going on in Illinois. And we will because we're going to talk about e-waste recycling Um, And we'll talk about the city recycling. We might talk a little bit about the plastic bag tax. Are you okay? Did you just lose your audio or something? I couldn't hear you, but that's okay. Are you okay now? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. She straightens the cord. There must be be a kink in there. Austerblief. Austerblief. That's where Uh, the mice were nibbling. Austerblief. 
Um, and uh, this week, as you, if you were paying attention, something got done in Illinois. <laughs> oh, you guys are so funny down there. You guys, you make me laugh. You're a stitch. What are we paying him for? I'm really not. I don't remember. Um, um, keeping oh, chairs I, warm. I know. Yeah. Well, I know what we're paying Michael Madigan for. He's he's the firewall, okay, against us becoming uh, Wisconsin and Michigan, basically. Uh, in the old days, he was just a corrupt Democrat, and now he's a firewall. Now he's we're like cheering good, for and him. And now we're cheering for him. Isn't it amazing how that changes? Um, but what got passed in Illinois this week is uh, something called the Future Energy Jobs Bill, SB 2814, which is expected to be signed by uh, Governor Petulant. And um, uh, it's... Uh, a piece of legislation that, depending on how you look at it, is either a bailout for ComEd or the greatest thing since sliced bread for clean energy in Illinois. And probably both Mm -hmm. is what I'm thinking because the response to it is kind of all over the map. Um, So uh, what we're going to do is uh, bring in... Well, let's put that down. We're going to bring in... Uh, Mel Nickerson from Illinois Recycling Association. And then in the second half of the show, 10 o'clock, Michelle Hoffman Trotter. Oh, my goodness. Um, Is she an interesting woman? And she has been out to um, all parts of this planet in her boat with her researchers, with her cameras, putting something together called microcosm. And the idea is that, well... If you study science, and I know there's a lot of you out there voted for that guy, President Petulant, who don't care about science, but we do on this show. Science ain't no such thing. Uh, science? Science? Uh, wait a second. You number know, two? Uh, is, it, is it number two? See? Yes. It is number two. Thank you. You know this better. Science. Okay. I was just viewing your screen. That's all. Oh, so you saw that before, huh? Okay, why is he giving me five minutes? How about this one? Science! Okay. (laughs) Science. And so Michelle will be here uh, to talk about microcosm, putting together this film about the smallest creatures on our planet's on our planet, in the oceans, and probably planets, because if there's water on Mars, mm-hmm. I'm betting some of these critters are there. If there's water on the, the moons uh, that are uh, surrounding Jupiter and Saturn, I'm betting some of these critters are there. Something's there, Something's yes. there. If there's water, there's life. That's the way it works. Um, and, you know, we want to go to Mars and bring this stuff back to Earth. You dummies. You dummies. Okay. So, and Rick DeMaio Weather, 1045. He's going to – are you still getting audio there? No? No audio? Wait, wait, wait. How about that? Is that better? No? You're getting no audio? No. Oh, she I, could use – just switch Oh, in. no, I did. Headsets. Yay. I think it seems, it seems highly variable. It is. Those cords are a little uh, wacky. Everything in this studio is highly variable. Else to belief. Else to belief. All right. Let's bring in um, – uh-oh. We lost him. What he didn't he didn't stick around. Wait, he's calling back. Okay, I think we lost him. Did we lose you there for a, a, a second, Mel? Uh, yep, just for a second. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Mel. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. We're we're about to get snow, and uh, that's okay with me. 
that's <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Um, and uh, we're about to talk about um, the law that got passed uh, in Illinois uh, during the week and a, a couple other subjects. But before we do that, Mel, Mel Nickerson is uh, currently executive director of the Illinois Recycling Association. Uh, I might have said president. I meant if if I did say president, I meant executive director. Um, and uh, full disclosure, I am on the board of the Illinois Recycling Association. I am an unpaid board member, so bear that in mind, as I was an unpaid board member when I was at the Chicago Recycling Coalition. Um, and Mel, some people will say, well, why are you qualified to speak about the energy law that just got passed in Illinois? Give us a little bit about, of your background. Sure, absolutely. Well, first, uh, I wear two hats. Um, I also run a government relations firm focused on state legislation, uh, accurate strategies, where I serve as the director of government affairs. So my background is uh, I spent uh, five years with the Environmental Law and Policy Center uh, learning um, energy policy, uh, everything from renewable energy to solar uh, and to fossil fuels. I was very fortunate uh, back in 2013, uh, our former Governor Quinn uh, tapped me to become the Deputy Director of Illinois' Energy and Recycling Office, where I spent another two years uh, really focused in on energy issues uh, and obviously recycling. And so I make a segue out in uh, January of 2015 uh, to do the wonderful work that I'm doing today. Fabulous. So there you go. This is how Mel is qualified to talk about it, and he is eminently qualified. Uh, so let's get to that law, because um, I think we're going to see a lot about that in the coming weeks, uh, certainly uh, if the governor signs it. Uh, is there any reason to think the governor will not sign it, Mel, do you think? Well, uh, you know, I, I think in politics there's never uh, 100% uh, certainty with anything. Uh, you know, we can certainly look back a, a few weeks to our national election and know that uh, nothing is ever uh, completely in the bag. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the greater likelihood is that the governor will sign uh, the law or excuse me, the bill, and, uh, you know, he, he negotiated the bill, he and his team, and um, he put out a press release uh, the day uh, the legislation was passed, which was uh, just this past Thursday. But uh, I will be uh, completely uh, frank and tell you that uh, it is not a great piece of legislation for the state of Illinois. Um, politics certainly came into play, and uh, I would hope that enough uh, public support uh, would actually encourage the governor to veto the bill. Really, you're going to yeah. encourage the governor to veto the bill? Okay, let's do let's do full exclo- uh, uh, full disclosure here because um, uh, some people will think that that is the official position of the Illinois Recycling Association, but it's not. You it, you're you're putting your other hat on um, as uh, a, a member or founder of Accurate Strategies. Um, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So to be absolutely clear, uh, the Illinois Recycling Association has taken no position on uh, the bill. Um, I, and also for full disclosure, uh, one of my clients, uh, the BEST Coalition, Better Energy Solutions for Tomorrow, uh, I lobbied on their behalf uh, to oppose the legislation for, uh, for two years. Um, but that being said, uh, as, a, uh, as a policy person, uh, as a person uh, who's familiar with uh, state uh, and regional dynamics and wholesale energy markets 
utility uh, markets here locally, uh, this legislation is really a, a huge boondoggle for uh, Exelon and uh, ComEd uh, primarily. Um, I will say that there are some uh, some benefits, uh, certainly for the environmental community, and I'm sure we'll, we'll delve into those issues with greater detail. Well, yeah, I, that's where we should start, actually, because the environmental community writ large is doing double backflips over this thing and saying, wow, this is such a victory, we, we compromised. That was, that was sort of the, the message on Thursday when it got passed was, and, it, and, 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 and to be sure, it's basically the only major legislation that got through the veto session, isn't it? Yes, that is, that is correct. Uh, we, the legislators left Springfield without uh, funding uh, the latter six months of our fiscal year. So our staff, staff budget expires uh, on December uh, 31st or, or shortly there thereabouts. We are still operating without um, a full uh, fiscal budget, without a balanced budget, and without any new revenue. So uh, our state is in pretty uh, abysmal uh, situation on, uh, on that front. Also, the governor um, uh, and the House uh, really, it's that the House failed to uh, take up um, the uh, Chicago teacher pension issue. Uh, so um, there was a lot of, uh, shall we say, uh, a lack of substantive uh, activity in Springfield other than this uh, energy bill. Okay, so we've, but we did get an energy bill. Let's let's address the issue of why the Enviro community uh, is so happy about this when you're part of the, you've, you know, you've lobbied for environmental causes for a long, long time. That's kind of who you are. Um, but organizations like the Illinois um, Environmental Council, uh, CUB, Citizens Utility Board, are saying, hey, this is really good. It's, our rates are going to go down. And yet, if you read the Tribune, they're saying, nope, your rates are going to go up. Uh, which is it going to be, and why uh, would the environmental community be happy if it's such a boondoggle? Well, rates will definitely go up. Uh, the way the bill is structured, uh, there is a new rate design that took place outside of the purview of the Illinois Commerce Commission, who's charged with uh, utility rate design. Um, without getting uh, too deep into the weeds, um, the structure of the bill does allow uh, for rates to increase significantly. Um, so, for example, if you're a large industrial customer, um, you're paying on average about $35 a megawatt for energy. Underneath this new legislation, uh, the way um, the base uh, or the denominator um, for the rate design is uh, has been set, uh, that uh, your increase will be about $58. So from $35 to $58 a megawatt, and then on top, uh, of that, uh, the um, ComEd and uh, and Ameren uh, will cap that at an additional 1.3 percent. So 1.3 percent above approximately 58 dollars a megawatt for industrials. So that is a, quite a significant rate increase. Similar uh, parity through all the rate classes, and so there's going to be a significant increase um, despite uh, the efforts that were made by the governor's office in negotiating caps. Those caps, uh, again, uh, the baseline, the denominator was changed, and so uh, there will be an increase in rates. Probably by uh, our expert analysis, uh, significant rate increases will probably not be seen for another 
uh, two years, but uh, they are coming. Absolutely. Ah, so that's it. We're looking at something down the road here, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. By by all uh, best calculations, we will definitely see uh, rate increases down the line. I, I think that's one of the poison pills that's uh, that's that's in the bill. Um, but to the point that you or the question that you asked earlier, um, I think environmental uh, organizations uh, should have a sense uh, of accomplishment. Um, particularly when it comes to the uh, renewable portfolio standard. Uh, for some time, there had been a separation of, of funds that flow into uh, the account for uh, renewable uh, energy, and uh, this changes the way uh, the funds can be uh, distributed. So uh, there will be more money for renewable energy, um, and also solar has uh, more aggressive goals, at least that's according to the Third Amendment. And uh, I'm not joking when I tell you, before we left Springfield late Thursday evening, there was an additional seven amendments, so uh, a total of ten amendments uh, that the House uh, and Senate voted on. And uh, quite frankly, uh, I say this with a great sense of soberness, um, I don't think anybody uh, fully understood what was in that bill, but yet uh, it got passed. Wow. Yeah, that's that. It it did go through yeah. uh, yep. rather quickly. Uh, Peggy, I was going to say they only had a couple of days to review it, didn't they, Mel? Well, I mean, literally not a couple of days is is, is correct, and that's and, and that's being kind. Um, and I'm talking in particular about the third amendment that at least uh, got a hearing in both uh, the Senate, uh, well, excuse me, at least in, in the House. I believe there's a subject matter hearing in the Senate uh, on, on Thursday morning, in all of the subsequent amendments went straight to the House floor. So, I mean, uh, kudos to the staffers that were uh, spinning their wheels in order to analyze and to repair uh, the appropriate analysis, but uh, there was no urgency for this legislation at the past. Uh, it really got crammed down the throats of uh, the General Assembly, and uh, there was a certain sense of uh, acquiescence. Uh, there was a lot of political uh, fervor around saving uh, I think what is approximately 800 union jobs at uh, the Clinton uh, nuclear plant owned by Exelon and the Quad Cities uh, nuclear plant owned by um, Exelon. And, of course, there are indirect jobs, uh, which total, uh, at least according to Exelon, 4,200. And, of course, the tax base is associated with that. But, uh, you know, one could make a very, uh, again, sober argument that we could have uh, not we could have avoided such a hefty rate increase and just simply put together a bailout package for those two communities and been far better off. You know, uh, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pause. Well, the, I want the point I want to make um, before we go to a break here um, is what you've described, and I and I think we need to make sure folks understand this. It, it is a bailout for two nuclear facilities that are out of date that are not carrying their own weight um and it's in that respect i am with you two thousand percent boondoggle it's like taxpayer monies uh, taxpayer money going to support uh nuclear plants that are not only not necessary but are potentially dangerous um and the reason they're going to get away with this part of the reason is the language says, well, we're putting no carbon into the atmosphere with these things. Of course, they don't mention the radioactive waste that uh, accumulates because of these plants. 
but uh, so th- that's sort of the balance, isn't it, Mel? Yeah, and let me let me uh, let me tip the scale even uh, even further in on the side of just bad uh, public policy, bad bad legislation. Um, Exelon uh, posted profits last year of two billion dollars. Uh, they readily admit that their revenue last year was $34 billion. They are a uh, Fortune 100 company in terms of the industry sector. They operate in 48 states. Uh, they own several utilities as, as well as uh, as well as well various uh, generation plants, both nuclear as well as solar, and um, I would imagine perhaps uh, some coal, but I can't verify that um, as, I, as I chat with you now. But, uh, again, the point is um, – that this is a very profitable company. This is a very successful company. They made an internal decision um, not to support two of their um, non uh, or less competitive uh, plans. And instead, they turned to the state, which I remind everyone is broke. Uh, our social services are not uh, being accounted for. Uh, elderly people, uh, all on down the line, are, are all, all suffering under our current fiscal nightmare. And yet, we can find money. Uh, on the back of ratepayers to bail out a very profitable company. Uh, I also want to point out something that shouldn't be lost on anybody. Uh, in Illinois, we enjoy uh, the fifth lowest uh, cost for energy throughout the nation, and that is largely due to our deregulated market. Uh, so the utility companies are a public monopoly, but all generation, like Exelon's nuclear plants, are, uh, are on the wholesale market. And the wholesale market has done wonderfully for the state of Illinois. We've benefited, again, from, from very low energy costs. Um, and what we've done now is a form of re-regulation uh, without, uh, again, in my humble opinion, without a good, uh, robust debate on whether we should be uh, providing subsidies uh, for plants that operate on the free market. Uh, one of the things you point out, though, is is kind of business as usual, which is – that this is the way bills get passed. Um, and unfortunately, this is this is kind of uh, standard procedure. It's everything's at the last second. I mean, it's not just in Illinois; it happens in our Congress mm-hmm. as well. Um, and and I mean, I certainly we would love to have enlightened policy and have measured response and and debates and so forth. But this is not the way the world works, Mel, and you know that probably better than a lot of people. Yeah, I I, uh, I bite my lip a little bit, uh, Mike, absolutely, because uh, certainly this is not abnormal, although it should be uh, abnormal. Um, and uh, I, I think that what we just saw uh, in terms of our national uh, presidential election was we saw an American public that is uh, sick and tired of uh, politics as usual. Um, you know, uh, again, um, I'm not trying to uh, uh, engender uh, any particular uh, partisan thoughts, but uh, certainly uh, drain the swamp <laughs> comes uh, uh, comes to mind this morning. Um, this is this is politics at its worst. Mm. Okay. <laughs> oh, yikes. So, oh, are my. you uh, before we break again one more time because uh, we got to get to other subjects. Um, are you alone on that island, the Enviro Island, where you say this is a bad bill? I know. I assume that the uh, Nuclear Energy Information Service and Dave Kraft and those people are pretty unhappy about this. Who else might not be happy about this on the environmental side? 
Um, that's a that's a great question. I think, writ large, the environmental community um, is uh, relatively uh, pleased or content. There was certainly a large consortium of um, environmental organizations and the Citizens Utility Board that were in support of the bill. There was at least uh, one uh, environmental organization that was neutral uh, on the bill. Uh, the solar industry itself was neutral uh, on the bill. Uh, and uh, then you have other groups like um, a- AARP that were absolutely uh, opposed to the bill. AARP? Where did that come from? Wow. Yes, they they recognize very keenly that this was not good for their members. Um, right, because their you know, rates will go up. Exactly. People on fixed exactly. incomes, and they need utilities, and their rates will go That's very interesting. See, mm-hmm. politics makes very interesting bedfellows, does it not, Mel? Yes, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. All right. Um, I'm just going to say, Mel, we need to take a, a short break because we want to, I'm going to get to other issues as, as well here. Um, that's Mel Nickerson from Accurate Strategies. Uh, he also happens to be executive director of the Illinois Recycling Association. And when we come back, uh, I, you know, we're going to be talking about this energy bill for a long time. And I know that I'm going to get responses from people uh, in the solar uh, world and in uh, you know other environmental organizations are going to say what the heck are you talking about on your show this is a major victory and I'm going to bring them on the show and say okay here's here's where I, here's what I see tell me what you see so we this is this is just the beginning of this conversation about this bill but when we come back I want to talk about recycling um, since that's uh, kind of that's one of the hats you wear now Mel. Um, with uh, the uh, Illinois Recycling Association, and um, we also have Milani Eckner in studio um, from um, the Chicago Sustainability Leaders Network, who's working on that issue, and so I want to get to all of that. But right now, I want to let you know that I have some advice for all of our listeners who are planning on growing things indoors this winter, not all LEDs are created equal. For instance, the Happy Leaf folks use Osram LEDs, which separates their lights from virtually all of the low-cost grow lights that are currently on the market. Here's what we mean. It's five times, if you get one of those lights, it's five times more powerful than a T5 fluorescent bulb. Wow. There you go. T5s only start seeds and minimally support some growth, but the Happy Leaf Light is an all-purpose LED with precisely tuned red and blue spectrums that allows the full range of plant growth. If it's so good, then why is it priced at just over 100 bucks? Because you can pay multiple hundreds of dollars for some of these lights. And they're not going to work. And that going to work as well. Well, selling directly to consumers allows Happy Leaf to price this within reach of the serious gardener who has seen grow lights that, as I mentioned, cost a lot more. So you can get it for a friend or get it for yourself. Go to happyleafled.com for complete kits that will get, get you up and growing in a matter of minutes. Believe me, this is a great product and we're really happy to sponsor it here on the Mike Novak Show. Happy Leaf LED, it's about the light. Did you know that Genesis is the Midwest's largest source of airbrush supplies? Find out more at chicagoairbrushsupply.com or artsupply.com. 
or stop into their showroom at 2525 North Elston and say that you heard about them on Q4 Radio or the Mike Novak Show, and you'll get an extra 10% off their already discounted prices. Genesis, Chicago's only privately owned art supplier, serving all of Chicago's artistic framing and drafting needs since 1946. This is Suzanne Malik McKenna for Chicago Wilderness. When you think of our region, wilderness may not be the first thing that comes to mind. Did you know this area is home to more than half a million acres of protected nature with thousands of plants and animal species? Our local native wildlife needs your help. Now is the time. 12 Animals in 12 Weeks is a campaign to get support for these critical species and their habitats. Sponsor one today. Meet the species at chicagowilderness.org splash species. Splash. Splash. I kind of like that. (laughs) Ah. Did you know Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? Hi, I'm Peggy, and I know this is true because for six years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you do need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicagoland who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga instructors, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Trying to weather the housing market? Consider replacing your windows and siding. Remodeling Magazine says they're some of the nation's most popular projects today. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for all your remodeling and energy needs. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. Our star will return in just a moment. Every year, some Christmas celebrations are ruined by fire. A little precaution can prevent a Christmas fire from happening in your home. First of all, make sure your tree is on a firm foundation so it can't fall over. Then be sure to use only approved lighting. Wiring that's frayed may be dangerous. Replace it. Never use lighted candles. Let all the glow of Christmas come from within not from fire. With a safe Christmas plan, here's an idea for Christmas giving. The Christmas tree's on Okay, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio, 1680 AM, Q4.org. And uh, on the phone, we have Mel Nickerson from Accurate Strategies and from the Illinois Recycling Association in the studio. And I'll make sure that uh, your mic gets on. Oh, you know... No, mine is not. I was just thinking. I'm, I sound like I'm off mic here. I don't know what's no, going on. But, okay, we're we're here. And uh, in the studio is Milani Eckner. Hi, Milani. Hi, Mike. Um, 
welcome back. Uh, let's 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 slide into a little recycling here. Um, and Mel, I know that um, uh, in terms of the Illinois Reso- uh, Recycling Association, um, you know we haven't really been we're not as active in the Chicago scene. We're it's more of of a state organization. Um, but as you know, Mel, I have been involved in in Chicago recycling for a long time. Uh, and have uh, had much interest in it and watched it wax and wane, mostly um, wane, unfortunately. Um, but that, that might be changing a little bit now. Um, and I'm, I want to start with uh, Milani here because um, of your organization, which is uh, the, um, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm sorry, I keep cheating here, Chicago Sustainability, Sustainability Leaders Network, part of Accelerate 77. Could you explain a little bit first about what is Accelerate 77 and where does the leadership uh, come out of that? Okay. Um, the Chicago Sustainability Leaders Network grew out of Accelerate 77, which was a mapping effort carried out by the Institute of Cultural Affairs, which is located in Uptown, uh, but is really active nationally. Uh, And uh, the idea was to map uh, grassroots sustainability efforts uh, across the city in all 77 neighborhoods um, and see whether or not uh, we could create a network out of that. And so a nice network has grown out. It's self-managed with some administrative support, obviously coming still from the Institute of Cultural Affairs. And uh, we have uh, a very active membership uh, that collaborates on things together and also focuses on kind of creating an in-between space, what we call the in-between space, that helps to sort of uh, create a, a conversation between government and uh, what are what might be called grass tops organizations. And then... Uh, well, okay, what's the, the difference between a grass top and a grassroots organization? Well, a grass top would be a bigger organization. Uh, we do have some who are pretty active um, and have been in the past. Uh, but there are a lot of small efforts really across the city, and everybody is working um, you know, on a sort of uh, really uh, neighborhood basis uh, or with specific populations within their community. And so that kind of creates, uh, you know, we're trying to create sort of a, a place where everybody can come together and talk and support each other. Uh, and so this recycling effort actually fits really well in there. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was was it an, a natural outflow of, the, of, of, of these discussions? Because uh, in my experience, and I don't know if, if Mel agrees, but in my experience, I found I found that other than average citizens complaining um, when their uh, recycling overflows, nobody's really cared about it. Really, nobody, I mean, and I'd say nobody guardedly because I know there are people out there, but it doesn't seem like there's been a groundswell to get recycling fixed in Chicago over the last 20 years. It's like, all right, we had the blue bag and that was a terrible program. We got rid of the blue bag. We brought in the blue carts. Yay. Okay. Recycling fixed. And it wasn't. Because it took six years for that to six years exactly. for for the blue carts to all get into all the neighborhoods six years mm-hmm. and it's only been three years since they uh, were in place and then you see these articles like in DNA Info a few weeks ago it said that the recycling in, uh, rate is down 
this year, and it's been going down since 2011. Um, I, and, and to me, it makes my head explode, but uh, I figure a lot of people go, oh, well, recycling never worked anyway, and it's all going to the landfill anyway. So I imagine that's the kind of stuff you're seeing out there when you talk to people. Absolutely. Um, I think that uh, that's something that's fully acknowledged now, really, by the city. Uh, it, that's, that there's cynicism and that people don't trust of- of the, the recycling pickup. Yeah, and I think there have been many efforts. Um, there are people along the way who've learned, for instance, the rules uh, from one of the earlier systems, and then those rules no longer apply to the new system. And so that sort of core group of people that might have been in, interested in recycling are, um, you know, sort of jaded. But you have to remember there are many people moving into the city from other places in the country where recycling is more norm. Uh, and there are Yeah, also- but those are the people who, who walk in here, and I've heard it over and over and over and over and over again, where they say, I'm from Minneapolis, and oh my gosh, what are you guys doing here? I'm from California. Oh my gosh, you guys don't recycle. I'm from New York City. Oh my gosh, you guys don't recycle. Right. Well, we do actually recycle. And um, as you pointed out, the it was a long process getting the blue bins and they are in place now. Uh, and so there's sort of this, this challenge because many people have been used to sort of viewing uh, the blue bins as a second garbage uh, can. <laughs> um, and so and, yeah, you've been down my alley, right? <laughs> Okay. Well, and and I think that uh, also it's it's sort of uh, time for more information coming from the bottom up about why it is that people aren't using things correctly, and that's what we were charged to do with um, with this project. And uh, so what we did was we convened four meetings: one with the core membership of Chicago Sustainability Leaders Network to just come up with what are the blocks right now, and the things that you're talking about are some of the blocks that were identified. There's a lot of cynicism, uh, there's a lack of information, things like that. But then also, what could you imagine would work to help to uh, make these obstacles uh, more manageable and actually overcome them so that we could increase the rate of uh, proper things going into recycling bins? Uh, We have the infrastructure in place, so now it's a matter of making sure that what goes in there is actually correct, because the more that you can fill it with things that are not garbage, the more that can be recycled. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to bring Mel in here for a second uh, for a little perspective. Mel, uh, you live in Chicago, but you work on state policies regarding recycling. Um, is Chicago an anomaly or are we witnessing a problem that we need to address statewide or nationwide regarding recycling? No, great, great question, Mike. Um, I think that it is most likely uh, a national issue. Um, we are very fortunate in this nation to have um, certain states, certain communities um, be very, and I, it's, it's odd to say this, but forward-thinking in terms of, uh, of recycling. Um, I like to say often that, um, you know, garbage disposal uh, writ large is caveman technology. You dig a hole, you throw your junk in there, and you cover it up. Um, but in essence, uh, a sustainable economy means that we are capturing valuable resources, and through the process of, uh, of processing uh, those materials, new jobs are created, um, less natural resources are used, and uh, dare I say, there is less greenhouse gas uh, emitted. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, certainly a national push uh, is needed 
a state-level push is needed, and clearly, as has already been uh, stated, uh, a push at the local level in Chicago is also very necessary. Uh, and I th- and I think you know, looking at what we can expect in the next four years, the push is going to have to be from the ground up because I don't think it's going to be from the top down anymore. I think we're we're losing that. Uh, everything, anything that's going to happen that save this planet is going to have to be from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're on our own. We've been cast adrift. Um, the um, the despoilers and the um, the users are, are out there, and they want to just use up everything we got on the planet. So, how do we get folks engaged? Um, one of the questions um, that's you know, as you mentioned earlier, Milani, it's uh, the kinds of questions you were asking people, and they were bringing you advice. How do you get citizens in Chicago engaged in this if they haven't been in the past? Well, I think one thing that was very interesting that we found just across the board um, in all of our meetings was that people are actually really trying to recycle. So a lot of the things that you find in recycling, like um, baby uh, car seats, (laughs) people look at that. They say it's plastic. (laughs) It's metal. No, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, but but it's. It's, but, it's so goofy to think that you can throw a baby plastic car seat in there because it's got so many different materials connected to but it. But if they don't know any better, they're saying, oh, it's plastic. Right, exactly. They're it's really, mostly I, plastic. I saw it as a really kind of cool sign that people are okay. trying. They're at least to, thinking. They're, they're thinking. and, and so, sort, of. Um, sort of. Sort of, yeah. But um, I think I think that one of the one of the things that we heard uh, sort of consistently was that uh, there just needs to be more education. Um, and so, uh, you know, for instance, think? Um, multilingual <laughs> education. And yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's an area where I actually think Chicago has a lot to offer because we have so many people speaking so many different languages. We could really help with this. Right. And um, so that's one thing that, you know, we talked about uh, a fair amount in each of the meetings. And then also simplicity. Um, A lot of people, like if you're working 60 hours a week, um, you don't really have time to study. I lived in Germany for a number of years, and it was like a a, a major study to figure out what the recycling system was. Let me stop you right there because I think that's part of our problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mel m- mentions that we might have nationally, uh, it's an issue as well, but um, it is, it has become so complex. Recycling has become too complex and it's because of the stuff we manufacture, which is complex. And it's not just as simple as putting, oh, here's a tin can. Who even has a tin can anymore? And um, a plastic bottle. And now, you know, and now it's the caps. Do you put the cap on? Do you not put the cap on? And, you know, they're advising people leave the caps on the plastic bottles. Um, but it's, but other substances like the ones attached to the, 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 the car seat the baby car seat there's there's material on there 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 was probably uh fabric attached to that as well and a seat belt what's the seat belt made out of aside from the plastic i mean there's you know there, we we have these amalgams of different material and it's hard to figure out so what it's done is turned recycling into rocket surgery and we have to try to figure that out and i think the average citizen is looking for a simple mm-hmm. solution. That's why they just kind of throw everything yeah. into the bin, and and of course it gets contaminated, and then it gets m- marked, and then they get confused and discouraged. Or they can't read the numbers. What's a three? What's a four? They can't read it. So oh, it's plastic. Throw it in the bin. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, well, and, yeah, yeah. Go I ahead, Mel. Interject mm-hmm. and, and take this very quickly. So I I, I concur with both positions. Positions. <laughs> it's a little odd to say, but um, I mean clearly. What needs to occur is uh, is education. And I know that sounds 
uh, like a very easy panacea. Mm-hmm. But um, what really needs to happen, and, and I hope it will happen, is it would be great for uh, Chicago Public Schools um, to provide information um, at least once, maybe twice, maybe once a quarter throughout the school year, um, information to children about how to recycle. That helps to influence parents and change behaviors. Um, I, you know, we have a, we do have a robust mass transit system in the city of Chicago. It would be wonderful to see information uh, on trains and buses, maybe on the side of a bus. And then we also have a, a nifty tool called public service announcements, and it would be great for the city of Chicago to put out useful information uh, um, on what items uh, can can be recycled. Yeah, actually, I also think. Um, I, I just just very quickly. I, I also think another part of the problem is is when people do recycle, there's just again there's a hesitancy. I was reading an article um, uh, recently in that um, less odd items, uh, so to speak, are, are ending up in uh, recycling blue carts. Uh, however, there's more contamination. So. You know, people are putting pizza boxes in recycling bins, which seems appropriate, but if it's contaminated uh, with stain with food or, or, or cheese or whatever, um, that uh, cardboard can't uh, be reused. Um, so, you know, again, more education is, 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 is important. And I also think really cementing in people's minds in the day and age that we live in is that, you know, every time you put an aluminum can uh, into a regular black uh, cart, you're not supporting uh, someone's uh, job, whether it's the person driving the recycling truck or the person that's sorting the material or the person that's responsible for getting those uh, materials into the secondary wholesale market. It's a really important part uh, of, of our economy, one that's not uh, seen uh, on a day-to-day basis, but it's where we can see real growth uh, in the near short term. You know, Mel, I think that's uh, a really excellent point, which is, and it do, it's not made enough, that there is uh, an economy here that revolves around recycling. Uh, we need to support that, that um, it does create jobs. There are, uh, and that's, that's, that's one of the things that uh, people argue about is, well, the economy's down, the commodities market is down, so there's no money in it. But the commodities market fluctuates. So it goes up, it goes down. Mm-hmm. You have to ride out the whole thing and take it as a whole over decades. You don't do it, you know, you don't get into the market in, you know, 2016 when it's down and say, well, this is, this, doesn't work, so we can't recycle. No, you look at it over a couple of decades, and you see how that's going to work. Uh, Mel, I'm, I tell you what, I'm going to let you go. We didn't even get to e-waste, uh, which we will. So I'm going to have you back. We're going to talk e-waste because I want to wrap up with uh, Milani here, and I know you're a busy guy. Um, and I appreciate uh, Mel Nickerson uh, being on the phone with us. Uh, oh, and before you go, we have to mention our event this Wednesday at The Plant on the south side of Chicago. Speaking of recycling, speaking of closed-loop systems, um, Illinois Recycling Association is having an event, a fundraiser, that I put together. Give me a ding for that. Thank you. Um, and <laughs> we'll give you another <laughs> ding. Yeah. Aus de Aus And uh, it's only 35 bucks. You get a tour of the plant. You get uh, a pie, a royal pie from Pleasant House Bakery. You get a beer from Weiner Beer Company. 
Um, and you schmooze with people like Mel who will talk your ear off uh, about about recycling policy and why the new energy bill is so bad. Come on. Take him on. I want to hear that conversation. I'm going to put that live on Facebook. Um, and uh, I'm going to be there and a bunch of – I'm going to be there. Uh, and Peggy's going to be there and a bunch of Illinois Recycling Association people are going to be there. Come on. Take us on. Tell us – ask us why we, we can't get, get it done in Illinois. And we'll give you an answer. Um, and it will be par- partially education. So if you want information about that, go to um, Illinois Recycling Association on Facebook is the easiest way. Uh, or you can go to Illinois Recycles, which is uh, .org, which is the website. Or you can go to my page, MikeNovak.net, this week's show. I've got all the information there. Mel, it's uh, great talking to you. I will see you on Wednesday. I look forward to it. Thank you for your time and great to chat with you all. All right. Take care, Mel. Thanks, Bye-bye. Mel. Bye-bye. All right. Let's get back to you, Milani, because I know he mentioned education, which is a huge part of it. And you and I both agree. I think we're on the same page there. Education, education, education. Uh, what's happening in that regard? Well, um, I think that, that uh, that's actually – he touched on a couple of themes that are were recurrent in the feedback that we received in the community meetings. And the use of uh, Chicago Public Schools and educating children to then reach parents is, a, is something that came up a number of times. I think if you're uh, – I think it's interesting to think about the jobs um, because there are also um, a lot of strains on parents who are working full-time to, you know, get this information – uh, from other sources. So if you can actually, uh, some of the best uh, advocates for recycling in many households are actually children who've been learning through various uh, school classes and things like that. So um, the other thing that really sort of emerged a lot of times was this consistency of messaging. Mm-hmm. So you have you know street uh, cans out on the street that are uh, mixing recyclables with garbage, uh, and that'll be on the front side of the street. And then in the alley, the uh, person who who's living there needs to sort garbage. So there's this mixed message between uh, what's going on on the street cans out front, um, or oh wait, okay, now I'm I'm kind of confused on that because in Chicago, it's all in the alley, isn't it? Well, no, there are actually street. Well, I know there cans. are streets that don't have alleys and mm-hmm. there's no room, so you got to put them out front. No, so, no, there's... but there there are public cans um, which are on the public way uh, where people who are walking by on the sidewalk. Oh, that's what you cans. mean. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, that's one thing that that was kind of well, talked... and they're not even the same color. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an that's example, true. which is, which yes. is the the park <laughs> district of uh, Chicago uh, Park District. Their recycling cans are a different color blue. Now, you're going to say, well, they're still blue. Well, you can hardly tell. It's like a navy blue, and it looks dark, and it looks black. And I'm sorry. If we're going to do this right, we have to be consistent, don't you think? Well, that is very true and interesting. Were you attending some of our meetings? Because that's actually something that came up uh, at a number no, of meetings. No, it's, it's something I've been talking about for a long time. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, I just It's basic them. information design. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and also sort of um, a branding almost yes. uh, type yes. of effort. And uh, so, a recycling mm-hmm. branding. It's not City of Chicago branding or, you know, Schaumburg branding or Springfield branding. It's recycling branding. Let's all use – we use the same symbol why don't we use the same color for everything right well and i think that that speaks to the past also you know that there were different rollouts i mean the chicago um 
system, uh, the, the, the park district had sort of different timeline than the city as far as developing their recycling program. But that doesn't mean that these things can't be brought together and that there can't be more consistent messaging. And um, the other thing that came up quite a lot was the uh, the use of social media. How can how can we quickly yes. you know use social media to like if you, could you ask a question? Um, hey, can I recycle this? Where does this go? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And um, also maybe uh, consistent offering as far as you mentioned e waste e waste and uh, other things that could be dropped off consistently in different neighborhoods because at, at like with hazardous materials for instance, there's really only one site in Chicago where those are taken in. And then that's easy to have it, you know, something that's pourable end up going down into um, our our sewer. And uh, so I think consistency was a big thing that was discussed uh, at the different meetings. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I still think it boils down to education, education, education. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you were talking about PSAs and that sort of thing. And there aren't enough of them. You should be – every time you see a billboard, boom, it should be about recycling. Every time – or at least on every train you're on, you should see one of those. You should see, um, uh, you should hear the PSAs all over the air. Okay, I'll give you an example. Nobody from the city of Chicago has offered my show a PSA. Um, you you say that they have PSAs. Are they? Maybe they're all just in foreign languages. Um, I would take one. I would run it every single show. I've sat in meetings with Chris Sauve, and I have sat in meetings with Williams, the commissioner. Um, they know who I am. Why don't you guys send me something? Because, you know, yes, I'm, I'm one of your harshest critics, but I'm also willing to get out there and spread the word. You know, you got to accept both. Don't just, you know, diss me because I happen to be critical of your efforts, which I think have not been very good up to this point. All right. Get better and I'll help you. And that's the way it works in this country is that accept the criticism, suck it up and get the job done. And that's the way I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Did I speak? <laughs> Wait, uh, I'll be happy to pass Alstablief. on that message about Alstablief. Yes. Um Because I really, I think that the, the city might have reached that point now where they're really trying to uh, to get out uh, more information. And now that now that there has been the complete rollout of the infrastructure mm-hmm. and things are being picked up consistently, it's time to to take it yeah. forward and to and send it to me too. Yeah. yeah. And Peggy, to Peggy you put it in natural awakenings, which mm-hmm. serves cook County, a lot of distribution points in cook County. Okay. We're gone way over time, <laughs> but, uh, I, and I, and I'm ranting here and, uh, Milani Eckner from, uh, Chicago sustainability leaders network. Thank you. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that or your organization? Um, we are still accepting input, so if Mike, if you'd like to send your idea about I, mass transit, which I don't think we heard, um, oh, you got to be kidding um, me! That's like so, yeah, obvious. Yeah, um, there's a Gmail account. It's accelerate seventy seven at gmail dot com, and you're welcome to send ideas through the end of the year to that. We're going to be putting together two reports uh, for the city and one public report. Milani, so. you guys need a freaking Facebook page. You know that, don't you? <laughs> I mean, it's that simple. There is an Accelerate 77. I know, uh, but there's page. no uh, Chicago Sustainability Leaders Network Facebook page. Not which a I, public one. There's yeah, a closed one. Yeah. Right. Get it done. Okay. All right. You got it. It's like everybody's. I'm sorry. Now I'm, I'm, I'm beating up on everybody. Uh, no, I want. Because <laughs> I, I want. I, I'll believe. St- I'll st- I'll st- uh, <laughs> I. 
See, but that's I, I get away with anything if I just say that. All right, we got we got to bring in uh, uh, our next guest. Thank you, thank you so much thank for coming coming to the studio. It's the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio. Coming up next, the World Traveler. Oh my goodness, she is um, she is just uh, an amazing person, Michelle Hoffman. Trotter will be here in studio. You're going to love this. Stick around for Microcosm. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? Author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Here comes Santa and his reindeer with a Yuletide message for all to hear. wife wouldn't love a modern home freezer, an up-to-date range. A big new refrigerator, a smart steel cabinet sink, a clothes washer or dryer. An automatic water heater, a wonderful dishwasher. These are all gifts that do so much to lighten a wife's work. Give her more time to spend with the rest of the family. So men, take this hint from U.S. Steel. And you ladies, remind him by singing this song. And how the reindeer love them. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program. Broadcasting live every Sunday from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, on Q4 Radio, and at MikeNovak.net. Here he is again, Mike Novak. He said I was going to go down in history. Oh, maybe he didn't mean me. Oh, I could just listen to this all day. Oh, welcome back. Oh, yeah. Rock on Cleveland. All right. There we Get go. the lighter out. 
Look who's in the room, Michelle Hoffman Trotter. Now, do you use them both, or do you just Michelle Hoffman? I mean, I use them both just to confuse people. Yeah, I know it because it works. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, on know, Facebook, she's Michelle Hoffman. Yeah, it's it's You're a blowing my cover. It's a branding thing, you know. You got You got to be consistent. We were just talking about branding and trying to recycle. You heard my rants out there, so <laughs> thank goodness I can't. I actually can rant here. Uh, uh, even about the subject that we're going to be talking about, which is microcosm. Well, let's rant together. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to? Okay. If, if, <laughs> no. If serious, seriously. If if you were to start your conversation by ranting about something that you've seen in your travels, and you're you're going basically all over the world, you're diving, you're 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 going onto the Arctic Ocean, you're uh, getting stuck in the ice, you're um, doing all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, what would you be ranting about? I wish it was cooler. You know, there's this thing called climate change. and Oh, uh, that's, it's a myth. Yeah, I know. The Chinese made it up. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think the thing that has become abundantly clear in all of this traveling, even though what I'm looking at is very specific, it's this micro-universe in the ocean, it's the baseline of the food web, you know, the picture of climate change is pervasive. And so when we look at these microorganisms and understand how they translate to the rest of the ecosystem, the signs of change are not only drastic, they're imminent. And for anybody... Well, I just saw a report that 60-something percent of the great coral reef um, is blanched because it, it warmed up and it died. All right. Yeah, absolutely. The Last year, reef. the yeah. El Nino impacted with warmer waters coming through areas. Hawaii also saw a massive bleaching event. And so we are seeing massive coral die-offs. That's probably one of the most visual signs for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Uh, so that's true. That's 100% true that we're, we're seeing these massive die-offs, and that's directly related to warm temperatures. So that's not a question mark. That's the physical science that supports the climate change. It's a myth. I don't know why you keep saying that. I no, I'm sorry. Um, I, I've heard that the people coming in uh, to our new administration are just going to say it's a myth. It does. It's how do you how do you how do you whoop them upside the head with a rolled up newspaper when they won't even listen? Rolled to, up you know, newspaper, two by four. Uh, two by four works for me. Over the head like a you know like hitting a mule um, because they are mulish. Um, and how do you do that when? 97% of the scientists say, yeah, this is happening. It's a fact, and we're doing it. We're causing it. And we all know that we got the – here's the numbers. And 3% say no um, because they're being paid by ExxonMobil. And uh, and then you got to deal with that with these idiot – and I mean idiot – politicians who say, uh, no, I, I, I'm listening to the guys being paid by ExxonMobil. That's why I'm here talking to you. Because, okay, good. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. You know, there, there is always something we can do. And a big part of what we're doing with Microcosm is not just the filming, which is really important in terms of messaging, but we're building a community. And part of our tagline is join the journey because we really believe that not only – it's not about trying to get people to fund us or get behind us. It's about getting people with us and exploring and being excited. One of the things we've done recently is we actually put out a call to artists. And I know that seems like a bit of a departure from the whole science thing. No, we no, put not this at all. call out to artists because we want to have this visual representation of this yeah. unique world people don't see. And our goal is to get together a traveling exhibition so that what we're creating is something that's STEAM-based. It's based on science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. And we want to create and facilitate so not, eyeballs. It's not STEM anymore. It's, it's STEAM. STEAM. I love it. And I have a lot STEAM. of STEAM. <laughs> That's a tweet. We got to get yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, I'm working. Yeah. I'm in one of my multitasking. You do have right a lot now. of. I don't know where you get your energy, Michelle. <laughs> What's in that coffee? I'm a renewable Michelle? resource. 
So, yeah, so we're trying to create something comprehensive. We're trying to create something immersive. We're trying to create something comprehensive. And the film is one vehicle towards that. And we spent a lot of time. We were on this ship for six weeks this summer in the Arctic with this incredible group of scientists. I so wanted to be there with you. I wish you were because (laughs) we spent so much time talking about this and talking about the messages and how numbers don't really mean anything to people and how do we get people to sort of see this with us and understand. That's where the art Part of it comes in because if you don't bring the – because people, their eyes glaze over when you start talking numbers. But if you present it uh, visually Mm -hmm. or orally or something, you know, create magic that gets the message – you know, and that's – getting back to the recycling issue, maybe what we need to be doing is creating the magic – of why recycling is important. Yeah. We don't. We talk numbers, and we're at 9% in Chicago. Well, nobody cares about We need that. recycling murals, recycling painted buses. Yeah. All right. So I want to back up just a second. Uh, folks, that is uh, Michelle Hoffman-Trotter. She is. Uh, she does a lot. Wait. I'm, let me get this right because I got this here. You're like a... Uh, Renaissance woman. Yes, she is. Okay. Um, because she's... Um, an educator, a photographer, a lawyer. That's a dirty word. No, I kidding. know it is. <laughs> well, since you're, a, you know, you know what's 10,000 lawyers at the bottom of the ocean. You a know, good that, start. a good start. <laughs> but um, Sea level's rising. We'll all be there soon. That's right. Well, with the lawyers. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. She's an active, uh, she works with Dive Into Your Imagination, which brings in your friend, uh, Annie Crawley, which we were... We've tried to get her on the show before, and it hasn't happened. But maybe someday we'll get we'll, all of us will She's be. She's coming here. in February. Is she? Let's get her. All right, okay, then you come in. It down. All right, write that down. Annie Crawley. Road trip. Road mm-hmm. trip. Um, and uh, people like uh, who else? You got Matthew uh, Broughton. Is that how you pronounce Maddie it? Matty Broughton. Broughton. Um, uh, Kunzel. Kunzel. Who lives in Malta. In Malta. Yes. Mm-hmm. How cool so is that? So we're international now. David Morton, who is the science visualization supervisor. I want a science visualization supervisor for this radio show, okay? Well, he's helping How us do you make get it one? visual. He's bringing in the concepts of animation and multimedia techniques. That's what it's all about. Alsterblief. Uh, <laughs> I have to just say... I, you have to say that every once in a while on the show today. Just, uh, just uh, so, So you've got all these people. You were on my show last. I went and checked. It was more than three years ago. Was Goodness it? gracious. Yeah, it was 2013. Wow. Um, and you were just getting ready to launch all this. Uh, are you still on target to have the film done by 2018? That's the goal. That's the goal. Okay, so let's back it up just a little bit and explain to folks what this is, microcosm. Yeah, we know what microcosm in you know small m means. What is capital M microcosm mean? So it's a small universe, and this is the universe within our ocean. It's the stuff that you don't really get to see until you start putting ocean water under a microscope. And then you realize there is an entire universe within our world, and it is conducting the orchestra. It is creating our air. It's the baseline of our food web. It is everything, and it's also the most ancient forms of life on the planet. So it, when we study it, it tells us quite a bit about how we might have gotten here. And, uh, you know, it's largely unignored because people are not running around looking at things under microscopes, except maybe no. me, yeah. and, uh, and, and these wonderful scientists. And so we felt, wow, there is really this story here, and it needs to be told, and people need to see this visual beauty that is so 
beguiling. It's I, I often call them living snowflakes because they're beautiful, they're diverse. Uh, some are garishly ugly. It's just it's this whole. Are they are realm. they all are they all single cell? Not all of them. No, there's a lot of multicellular forms, and a lot are not truly micro because if you had them in a little jar of water, you would see something about the size of a period at the end of a sentence. Mm-hmm. So we're we're curving the definition just slightly, but it's really stuff that you would not see or realize what it looked like in full and totality until you get it under a microscope. So why did you, why couldn't you just go to Lake Michigan and grab a, a cup full of water? By the way, I'm looking outside. It's snowing. <laughs> it oh, is. It the is. Weather outside is <laughs> Let's get it under I'll a microscope quick. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, here we are with the snow coming down, but you're going to the Arctic, you're going, but not just to the Arctic, you're going everywhere and you're, and you go in and you look, how does, how does that work? You, you dive and you, and you photograph underwater, but if you're looking at the microscopic, all you need to do is get a jar and fill it and take it back to the lab. Well, that's pretty much what we were doing up there because in the Arctic, off the vessel we were working from, we were not allowed to get in the water. They had hmm. very strict regulations. It was a Coast Guard vessel. So really? what happened? Yeah, wow. what happened? It was it's our, their most state-of-the-art icebreaker. The U.S. Uh, Coast Guard cutter Healy was the ship. It's fantastic looking. You should check it out online. And so with that, we had to use specialized tools. We had a remotely operated vehicle, a submersible unit that was controlled from the ship that had 4K cameras running. It had collection jars. It had all kinds of tools for sampling that went a bit deeper than 12,000 feet to the ocean floor. We also had various sampling nets, uh, sampling bottles, things like that. So we were bringing the specimens onto the ship, and we were putting them under microscopes. We were putting them in photo tanks. So we spent a lot of our summer in the Arctic in July inside of a refrigerator on a boat. Good Thank for God you. for the 24-hour sunlight, because oh, if we like... finished at 3 in the morning, we didn't really notice. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, that would be fun. You know, you know it what, was amazing. Yes. You know what she's doing right now? She blinded me with <laughs> um, so that, uh, uh, And why is it you have to go – I you know, I know the answer. I think I know the answer to this. But why do you have to go to the Arctic? Why can't you go to, you know, California? Why can't you go to oh, New York? Oh, we want to go there, too. Yeah, um, so you have because... to go everywhere. And there's different organisms in different parts of the world. Absolutely. And colder waters tend to harbor a lot of biological productivity. So when you want to study these little guys, you follow the whales. And so our ah. plan is to go really pole to pole. We've recently put in an application with the National Science Foundation to get us to Antarctica. Uh, some of the other places on our hit parade, we've got Alaska, state of Washington, California, to your point, Hawaii are some of our other locations. And because this is a global issue, so you asked why not Lake Michigan? Absolutely Lake Michigan. Really? Lake Good. Michigan counts in the equation. Well, you know, if, if microbeads that end up in our ocean can also end up in our Great Lakes, well, then the microorganisms mm-hmm. that react to those microbeads should also be examined in our Great Lakes too, right? All of it, and how it represents itself through the food web and ultimately ends up on our own plates. And so, you know, this has to be shown in a very global perspective for that reason. And people always laugh when we say, well, we're making an ocean-based documentary from Chicago. And we say, yes, but <laughs> Chicago's the ocean capital of the world, haven't you heard? And uh, the truth of the matter is we have some pretty cool work going on here at Shedd Aquarium, and so they've been a very very valuable ally to us and have contributed a lot to our storyline and have been very supportive of our work. So, you know, maybe Chicago will be the next ocean mecca. What can I tell you? Uh, of course it will be. Uh, that is uh, <laughs> Michelle Hoffman Trotter, and uh, she is the creator, 
of Microcosm. She is the chief cook and bottle washer. And you got to wash those bottles after you have the organisms in them. Cause, uh, chief Critter Wrangler. Cr- <laughs> yeah, Critter Wrangler. The question I'm, that I'm dying to ask here is about, and I'm sure the, the film, when it's done, and it's supposed to be 90 minutes, uh, it, if you have too much, are you going to go to like two, uh, two hours? Uh, no, you got to stick to like 90 minutes, don't well, you? Well, there's been some interesting conversations recently, so I'll have to get back to you on that a one. A series. Uh, I smell I didn't a say series. anything. <laughs> I said nothing. She didn't say anything to me. I figured it out by myself. La, 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 And I have to mention that I brought in this amazing co-director, Michael Kaplan, who is a guru in the film department Oh, I forgot to mention him, didn't I? That's okay. I have to bring it up because he was with me in the Arctic and it was like Team Columbia College who has also backed us up tremendously and, in this And that's project. how I met you. I met you through Rick DeMaio. Right. The, who, who said, uh, we, we, try, we, we said, oh, come on, be in the conversation with us. Now you can call me at the regular time. <laughs> like, wow. His coffee wow. hasn't kicked in yet. That's wow. okay. We'll get Rick later. Totally dissed by Mr. DeMaio. <laughs> So yeah, so Michael. He's watching Kaplan, the snowfall, is what he's doing right he now. He is. Well, you know, he's, he's out in the yard with a little stick, kind of measuring. <laughs> he was busy talking to me in the Arctic too, and he's going, "Wait, where exactly are you? Latitude, longitude? Really? Wait, what are you? Oh yeah, wow. Okay, because he was <laughs> cool. he was the introduction to to all of this. Um, he's terrific. But my question to you is: We're watching coral reefs die. We're watching sea levels rise. We're watching all these effects of climate change. Can you document that on the microscopic level? What are you seeing that's changing? Well, part of what we were just trying to do up in the Arctic, the scientists, this expedition was funded by NOAA, our National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and what they were trying to do was literally a biodiversity census to find out exactly what lives there, how many of these things, what are the population concentrations look like, because there's so many places on Earth where we still don't even have a baseline to understand what lives there right now, and on this ship So that's, summer, that's kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, yeah. you can't do, cha- you can't document change if you don't know what's there in the we first place. We don't know place. what we're losing, yes. Yeah. And so that's where you know, the loss of funding is a true tragedy because we have to understand what is changing in the world. And we have already seen impacts of the change. We've seen uh, shifts in migration. And the scientists never describe this as good or bad because that's a value judgment. What they say is there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. And so if we see an amplification of the number of jellyfish, you know, a downturn in the number of salmon, you know, that's where you need to decide what you want on your dinner plate. Oh, my goodness. Well, I've heard about that with the jellyfish. What does it mean when the jellyfish populations explode? Well, it, you know, the better some when some organisms start to expand their range or expand their numbers, it shows that there's something that's favorable in the environment to that happening. Uh, so if we see other animals that are starting to disappear from normal and accustomed ranges, we have to then investigate. What are these changes in the environment? Uh, you know, are the animals leaving the area and just going somewhere else? Are they dying out altogether? So that's what I think a lot of people don't understand about science. It does not prove stuff. I always tell this to my students. Science looks for repeatable results. Uh-huh. We examine trends. We don't prove stuff. You do that in a court of law. So we have to try to ask the right questions. We have to try to understand the meanings of these things. And when you have a system as complex as Earth, we often don't get the hard and fast answers that people want in order to make these decisions. Instead, we have to look at this big piece of the puzzle. We have to look at all the pieces together. We can't just grab onto that one piece that says polar bears. Because if you grab that one piece that says polar bears, the reality is there's 26,000 polar bears. That doesn't look like they're in trouble. But you have to look further and you have to go, wait, you know, 
wait, 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 wait. Yes, sir. Let's stop right there. There's 26,000 polar bears and 7 billion homo sapiens. Okay. <laughs> and yes, counting. But let me finish. Okay. In that geographic range for a top end predator, that's a lot of that's polar bears. Sure. However, mm-hmm. there's However, more to the story, always. Okay. Uh, are they decreasing in body size? Yes. Are oh. they decreasing in body weight? Yes. There's also a significant portion of the range where we have not been able to track them because they're very remote places. So that number, 26,000. is what I say. Don't well, even go there. But we need people to understand why when they see that number, it doesn't represent the whole picture. Otherwise, right. people will not understand. They have to understand that that's not the whole picture. There's more to it. If that's one puzzle piece and a thousand piece puzzle, they're looking at eighth of the piece and saying climate change isn't real. That's not true. Yeah. It, However, you know, one of the things we need to pay attention to are our iconic species, okay? I, I get it where you say 26,000 polar bears is, is not the answer, um, but you have to look at that and what happens to them because that's the art involved in this. This is how we get people's attention mm-hmm. because polar bears are iconic. People like bears. Teddy bear is like maybe the greatest iconic thing ever created about bears, um, because bears uh, otherwise would be just all scary. Um, so, um, so you've got iconic figures like the polar bear, like whales. All right, certain you know uh, blue whale or something. You know, you've got to say we have to save these animals. Monarch butterfly, iconic. It is disappearing, and if that disappears, that's the canary in the coal mine. The there's another canary in the coal mine. It's the polar bear. It's the way mm-hmm. you know. Pick a whale species that that is about to disappear, um, and other spe- fish species which you see all the time because you're diving down there. So. Uh, I think we have to take advantage of it, and that's why I love the old the steam idea. Oh, absolutely, we do. But if we want to meet people who deny climate change at their level, we have to take their comments, we have to take their combat statements, and we have to offer them the answers. And I've actually been doing some research on Facebook because mm. I've been getting a lot of climate change deniers hitting me with stuff on microcosm page and also my personal page. So what I've been doing is I've been collecting up all the points that they're making to me. In you order really to think they're, they're going after you on the they're micro? Not going after me, but they're arguing and they're saying they're trying to say their position and they're trying to give me their reasons that they don't think climate change is real. So what I've done is I've actually started turning it into a lecture uh, where I say this is the statement somebody said to me. These are the scientific reasons why it doesn't represent what's really happening. And I'm actually supposed to be giving this talk at the Glen Ellen Public Library in March and I'm willing to go give this talk to anybody who wants to hear it. I smell TED Talk. <laughs> and I smell an article. In, in Natural Awakenings. Well, because I, I need to know what yes. are the climate change deniers yeah. saying and how do we as scientists communicate differently so that we will get this message across and because I, it's crucial. I think even beyond climate change deniers, what the people who are listening to it are taking in and believing right. exactly. and you've got to get across to them. Exactly. Exactly. I, I want people I, you know, to know I, what I, to say. Yeah. I don't even know. You know, the whole climate change denier point of view all it is it's like the same people who say i'm not going to recycle because it's just going to a landfill anyway it is all about cynicism it is it is not about solving any problem all it is is i'm afraid that somebody is duping me i'm afraid that somebody's taking my money and running with it and that's why I don't like black people either because they're taking my money and running with it. And I don't like women because they're taking my money. Oh, gosh, I guess we're pointing the fingers at white men. Uh, but not just that. I mean, but the, just the people who, who 
See, that's the problem. Their side doesn't have facts. Their side has only denial, and it has this 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 feeling, this feeling, this vague feeling that they're being taken for fools, and they hate that. Uh, and that's the and that's what they have going for them. It's not science. It's not about. Uh, numbers and facts and art and poetry mm-hmm. and whatever else you're trying to bring to bear. It's just denial. And that's the problem I have with it. And fear. fear. Thank you. And fear. Yeah. That's why I'm happy to reach out to the people who are on the fringe who really do want to hear and who really do want to learn. And there are a lot of those people out there. And I've had the good fortune to come across a lot. And I have access to 120 students every semester. And we have these conversations. So you're still and, teaching, too. Oh, yeah. yeah at absolutely. Columbia. And Art Institute and yeah. Roosevelt. Oh my! How do you find time to do all this? <laughs> and you have a kid. I do. <laughs> and a husband, I assume. Oh, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's okay. I packed them up with six weeks worth of meals when I left them for the Arctic. <laughs> uh, we need to get some information here um, because um, we have our instructions that came. Uh, via email here so i don't want to get it wrong because you'll never be on the show again if i don't first of all you've got <laughs> not likely not likely you give me a platform i'll come uh, okay uh and i'm so glad you're here in the studio this Likewise. is so great to see, to see you see again you. i've been following her exploits probably not as close i don't call her on the ship like DeMaio does okay but um <laughs> I just leave her alone to do her work. I just want to figure out how to do a remote from the ship. Uh, well, that that now. Let's talk about that. Uh, but you have a YouTube channel. We do. Um, and you've got um, also a, a preview of your – did we post yes, that? Yes, it's on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, on the Mike Novak Show. So go there now. Take a look at the video. Cool stuff. Uh, you got people who are helping you. Put this together, funders. Uh, who do you want to thank for all of this so far? Oh, it's a long list. Gosh, I all mean, right, just, all just the major my... ones and the little guys. Just let them fend from themselves. <laughs> three of my universe, all three of my universities have gotten behind this in, in various capacities, which is tremendous. It's it's fantastic. So Columbia College of Chicago has been a has been huge help. Roosevelt University and of course Art Institute, um, but also the Shedd Aquarium deserves copious thanks. And uh, the Abe and Ida Cooper Foundation recently helped to back us up. Canon cameras gave us all the phenomenal Mm. 4k gear that we shot within the arctic Uh, zacuto here locally gave us some of the additional pieces that we needed to complete and round out all of our filming equipment and of course michael kaplan who has gotten in the trenches with me and has dug in and and michael i apologize for not mentioning you earlier if you're listening to this (laughs) and we're going to give them all a big beer ding michael all i got to say is (laughs) i'll still believe Beautiful. So I think those are some of the heaviest hitters, wow. and if I am forgetting anybody. And, of course, our community, because most of this has been crowdsourced, you know? This is yeah, been you've been doing crowdsourcing. And- yeah, you've got, you've got a store. We sold cupcakes, yeah. for God's sake. And you That's guys how we did? iced our way really? to the Arctic. We wow. did. We had a few cupcakes. And you have shirts and, and hoodies still available, We do, just for to limited time for the Arctic Expedition gear, because that's going to go away. That was a Hint, limited perfect edition. for holiday gifts. There you that's go. That's right, for the Arctic, is it, and it's still snowing outside. <laughs> for now. Yeah. I can't see. I've got a blanket blocking my oh, window. Oh, it's true. You can. I can see the snow coming down. We walked there. in this morning and this blanket had appeared over the window. <laughs> over the air conditioning unit that used to be there. I, is, I think it's still up there. It's possible. It's probably why the blanket's there. Um, you also mentioned 
And we, uh, you should have said this when we were talking about jellyfish. You've discovered six new species of jellies? I did cool. not personally do this. Um, the expedition, was we had a, a phenomenal scientist, uh, Dr. Dougal Lindsay, who specializes in jellies. And one of the things that hit us right away is it is a jelly world up there in the Arctic. They are so diverse, and they occupy the entire water column. And they are just these fantastic, spectacular-looking creatures. And, yeah, there were about six new species uh, that were discovered during the voyage that are currently being named and described and one of them gave birth on camera for you wow. it did it was so, it took direction so well and <laughs> this unbelievable animal called a tinafore gave birth live on the camera my camera son, man said what's that white thing in there and dr Lindsay looks at me and says, what that white what white oh my god <laughs> and the next thing the lab erupts and everybody's screaming because this is not how jellies reproduce typically they shed their gametes out into the water and then they Fertilize you can't say these. that on the radio. I oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but this this was a fully formed live individual that wow, was just wow. inside this barely there egg case, and it was amazing. So we got to film is all gonna, of this. Is that going to be in the uh, the final product? Oh yeah. By that time, you know the thing is with the scientists, there's a lot of footage we have we can't release yet because uh, because they haven't been described yet. So oh, we are goodness. in close contact with Dr. Lindsay and. So when we get the green light from him, then we'll be able to make that footage public. But, it, but it's not like the rainforest of the Amazon where somebody will just cut down all the trees and the species will disappear forever. But, you know, they're in the Arctic here. Hopefully you know, hard, it's yeah. harder to get to the Arctic. Not We didn't see another boat or an airplane Although for I, six weeks. Yeah, so. but there's oil <laughs> drilling up I, there. Yeah, I, I want you to stick around for DeMaio, by the way, because, oh, sure. you know, I uh, – was reading something just this morning that I have to tell him about, which is about uh, the polar vortex uh-huh. has broken down and the the uh, the Siberian air is being pushed around and it, the the vortex is finding finding it hard to settle over the North Pole. That can't be good. It was 36 degrees warmer in the Arctic last month mm-hmm. than it ever yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've been talking also to our ice scientists a lot because they've been sharing some of their findings from yeah. being up there with us as well. Because, you know, now that we've done this, we have to keep the pulse on all the science. And so, yeah, what you're saying is totally true. It's it's terrifying. And, and that's what I don't get again about the deniers. I'm saying, okay, so how do you explain the polar? Vo- oh, they go, oh, the Earth moves in cycles. You know, my yeah. si- my sister says volcanoes. They're cause. You know, they ca- they cause these things all the time. I have to send yeah, you my numbers. That it happens from NASA. normally. Yikes. That we don't have anything to do with it. Yikes. Well, and if you read books from Arctic expeditions, seventy five to hundred books? years ago. Oh, sorry. Those old things. Yes. But you read the books and you see what they went through. I would direct people to James Baylog's TED Lecture because James Baylog is... um, How do you spell Baylog? B-A-L-O-G. It's just like it sounds. B-A-L-O-G. Baylog. James Baylog. He is a Nat Geo photographer who was kind of... He called himself a climate change skeptic, but then he set out these time-lapse cameras in 26 Mm -hmm. locations on ice sheets across the world. And his explanation is very profound and it's very visual. So he gives you the science, but he also gives you the visual. And... Uh, it's very hard to look at that and not think something is amiss because to your point about the cycling of weather, you know, we've had warm periods before and 
spikes in CO2 before that have maxed out at 280 parts per million. Now we're over 380 parts per million. Mm-hmm. So if you want to argue cycles, we're way out of step with what the cycles have previously been. But the other mistake that a lot of people make is that they don't think we can measure climate before human existence, and we can. And there are specific tools for doing that. We can actually look at the layering of coral reefs. We can look at the growth rings on trees. We can look at ancient stromatolites, which are fossilized, that capture this information. So this is not mathematical modeling. It's not computer modeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's elements of that, but there is physical science that tells us that this is totally out of step with natural cycle you know what i thought i would do and i was able to do it um let's let's just play a little bit uh, let's get this up here uh from your teaser for microcosm very dramatic a hidden universe oh, uh, is there's it- a microscopic universe in the ocean The existence of every living thing is connected to it. We are on a journey to understand it, and the future of humanity depends on it. You can't believe these photos or these these, uh, Mm -hmm. videos and film that I'm looking at. Most of the largest creatures in the ocean feed on the smallest. Yeah, shark is amazing. This beautiful music is by David Weiner, and uh, he's composing original pieces for us. Awesome. We have one Soundtrack ocean. be available? It is the lifeblood of our That's planet. You just got to see these visuals. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm hoping I'm enticing people to go look at the teaser of Microcosm, which we have posted on our Facebook page. I need to put it on the blog as well. I'm psyched. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll kind of bring that down here. Uh, but that's that's really, really, really cool stuff. So what have we missed here? We just got a couple of minutes left. Um, you know, here you are. You've got, you've, you're, you're still working. Where, what's your next trip? Where are you going? Well, this is a surprise announcement to the folks who've been following us because they've been hearing <laughs> us talk about Hawaii for quite some time, and Hawaii is still in the cards. But uh, our director of photography, Annie Crawley, somehow managed to get us involved with an expedition to Baja to the Sea of Cortez <gasps> to do whales in March. So, surprise! Surprise! <laughs> surprise! Yeah, so that's going to hey, be... Hey, that works. We could we could go to Baja in March. There okay. you go. We'll there do you go. The Mike Novak Show, live from Baja. <laughs> so we need singing whales now. Wouldn't that be cool? How's your whale voice? <laughs> I'm not... Oh. <laughs> It, it almost sounds like when your cat sees another cat outside. <laughs> it, it, you know how that goes? It's like... <laughs> when you hear that noise, you go, uh-oh, 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 get the cat, get the cat, get the cat. I love my feeling of being in the water with microcosm, but being in the water with those leviathans, with these massive, as we call them, charismatic megafauna, is life altering I love the idea of charismatic megafauna. They are. Um, but, and so how many whales have you approached? Uh, I've been in the water with a fair few now. I'm really lucky. In the summer, I got to see wild belugas for the first time, which was uh-huh. really incredible. I've, I've been around, a, I've been privileged enough to be around a lot of humpback whales, and I've seen gray, mm-hmm. I've been in the water with gray whales as well. So these are going to be primarily humpbacks, maybe blue whales if we're lucky mm-hmm. cool well i'll tell you what help me with all of 
the uh, PR stuff here because I got you can go to my website, MikeNovak.net. Go to this week's show and you'll see a lot of the information there. I've got the link to Microcosm, which is microcosmfilm.wordpress.com. But if you just type in Microcosm Film, it'll it'll come right, it'll up. Come mm-hmm. right up. If you type in Microcosm, you'll get like twenty seven thousand hits because Microcosm is a real word. <laughs> Uh, but um, but that's that's one place you can go. Um, what on Facebook? Where do folks go? Yeah, they can go to Microcosm Project on Facebook. We're also is it on... Microcosm Project? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So and then if they look at the end of the trailer, we have all of our um, various links to all of our projects because we also have a store on Redbubble and we do boosters occasionally. So um, all the information is available there. And you can get t-shirts and sweatshirts and things. What we else? We even have home decor and metal prints and all me? kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And, and I saw the shell necklaces up there. The and beauty all of it of is, is that we've had so many students and, and interns come and work with us. And, and so the community aspect of it has already begun. It really has. It's wow. becoming the movement that we hope that it would and not just a movie. Well, it is more than a movie. It is a movement. Uh, this is great. You're going to be back, of course, uh, and you you actually have you alluded to the big announcement. We can't do the big announcement because I don't even know what it is yet. So at some point, you and I will talk, and you'll tell me off air what the big announcement Absolutely. is. So I'm very excited Absolutely. about it. So and that that's our tease to have you back on the show <laughs> another time, and for for you to follow Microcosm any way you possibly can and contribute to it because it's the fate of the world. It's these organisms that, as you say. They, they help us breathe. They help us grow. They, and we don't even know it. We don't appreciate them. We certainly don't. Um, uh, you know, you, you talk about the megafauna, like the, the fish. That's, you know, those are huge compared to what you're studying under the microphone. Absolutely. <laughs> microphone, microscope. I'm sorry, yes. microscope, sorry. Absolutely, no. It, it is. <laughs> it's, I... it's the baseline for everything. <laughs> uh, I study it anywhere I can. I'm sure there's some on this microscope. If I take a scraping back oh, to my I'm lab, sure I'm sure there's a lot on this microphone. <laughs> uh, well, all I got to say about this is... So, uh, uh, Michelle Hoffman-Trotter, thank you so much. Thank Always you. a pleasure to see you. Stick around. Rick DeMaio, uh, weather coming up uh, next, and you can you can yell at him for not being part of this conversation, okay? <laughs> Tell I'll him Aus de Bleef. Yeah. Aus <laughs> de Bleef. Hey, here's some advice for all of our listeners who are planning on growing things indoors this winter. Not all LEDs are created equal. For instance, the Happy Leaf folks use Osram LEDs, which separates their light from virtually all of the low-cost grow lights that are currently on the market. Here's what we mean. It's five times more powerful than a T5 fluorescent bulb. T5s only start seeds and minimally support some growth. But the Happy Leaf light is an all-purpose LED with precisely tuned red and blue spectrums that allow the full range of plant growth. You know, you could take these on the ship. You could yeah. grow stuff there. Osterbleef. Yes. Osterbleef. <laughs> but if it's so good then, if it's so good, why yeah. is it priced at just over $100? Yeah. Osterbleef. <laughs> well, selling directly I to consumers. I got cons- your Osterbleef right here, pal. <laughs> well, selling directly to consumers allows Happy Leaf to price this LED lamp within reach of the serious gardener who has seen grow lights that cost several hundred dollars. But you can get it for a friend and get it for yourself. Go to happyleafled.com for complete kits that will get you up and growing in a matter of minutes. Happy Leaf LED, it's about the light. Here on the Mike Novak Show, we make very, very little money. So we understand what it's like to have to do holiday shopping with 
very, very little money, which is why I'm telling you, get your gardener friend the gift that keeps on giving all year long. And I'm not talking microcosm, although you could do that. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. There are great articles, fabulous photos, tips, calendars, and more, and it will cost you very, very little money. But your friends don't need to know that, okay? Now, it's possible that they will read all the way through the magazine and discover my column on the inside back page of every issue. If that happens, you're on your own. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com. But if you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. Rick DeMaio, weather, and he will get an earful Right after this. This is Peggy Malecki of Natural Awakenings Magazine for Chicago Wilderness. You can friend a person on social media, but how do you friend a native plant or animal that's in danger of going extinct? 12 Animals in 12 Weeks is a campaign to support critical species and their habitats in our region. There are more than a half million acres of protected nature in the Chicago area. Sadly, that's not enough to keep key plant and animal life from disappearing. Friend a critical species today. Go to chicagowilderness.org slash species. Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> Have a wonderful, crazy Christmas and a wonderful, crazy New Year. Go and go crazy. <laughs> Rick just picked up, and I'm sure he just heard this and wondered, what the heck is going on Who just here? called me? Rick DeMaio, are you there? He's standing in the yard. Mike? That's uh, Tom Waits. I don't, I, want, I don't know if I want to stay here. <laughs> are you standing in the snow right now? Uh, no, no, no. I'm at my, uh, I'm at my computer uh, monitoring the show, ready to send out a couple of updates. Uh, to some students and some other people, and to you as well. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm inside. I'm, 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 I'm going to go out in the snow in about probably an hour or so, and it begins to coat the ground up here in Evanston. He's going to uh, buy. But it is falling, and the flakes are getting big. Yeah. Oh, where did you get the? I see Peggy's got a radar here. Where did uh, that was that, in the email he just sent? Okay. Yeah, you sent us an email at nine forty-eight. Okay, I'll take a look at that. Uh, guess who's in the studio with us, Rick? Yeah, I know Michelle is there. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good. Do you look like um, the guy from uh, that? Uh, what, was, what was that movie that you, you talked about with the with the thing on the front of the head there? I forget exactly what you were saying earlier. What's that? Um, what the 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 guy with the guy with the uh, from Silence of the Lambs? Does Michelle look like that? Oh. that? <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my! No, no, no I can't no. remember his name. 
Hannibal Lecter, yeah. Yeah, Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Something's going wrong in my brain. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not thinking of those things as much as Easter. But Grab coffee like and that, sip, Brago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to believe. But she is wearing her microcosm miniskirt. Uh, and microcosm, what else have you got on there? Laptop case. Oh, we got laptop covers. The laptop case. I'm, I'm just a walking advertisement. She is. That's. Uh, but she's good. She's she's all about the marketing, which is really important for science these days, isn't it, Rick? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In this ever-challenging world of it's not really happening, it's not really true, we need more and more people like Michelle uh, because she's the um, – she's the – how would, you, how would you say it? She's the, the everyday, I want to do more than what my body can actually allow me to do and what my my schedule allows me to do. And what no my kidding. You're one to talk, Greg. You're the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, gosh, you, you went up to the Arctic. I mean, who does that except people who have a vision, uh, who have a plan, who have the means to carry it out? And the fortitude to push through it. So I, I, I give you a lot of credit because you know I don't think she's probably told this to you, Mike. But you know, being up there when the sun is up 23 hours a day is probably at first the coolest thing, and then after a while the most annoying thing. Am I right about that? It's it's interesting. It's a it's a unique experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it, it it totally screws you up. It and, does. And you're, you're trying. Yeah, because. I mean, I, I I did shift work for 18 years, and the hardest thing to do is to sleep outside of your circadian oh, yeah. rhythm. Um, and you know, when, when you're in your 20s, it's easier. When you're in your 30s, it's a little bit tough. When you get into your 40s, it's almost impossible. And and your body just rejects anything you try to do um, to make it go back to normal. Um, and the only thing you can do is 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 Probably um, eat well, get exercise, get your body tired enough where you can get, you know, three or four hours of solid sleep. And I, I got a feeling, Michelle, that after a while, that's all everybody talked about, right, was how much sleep you got and whether or not it was a good sleep. Am I you right? know, no. And the reason why is because the science went on 24 hours a day. So we basically slept when we could. We had to be on hand when those nets came up or the ROV came up. And so oh, we see. would wait and then we'd go to sleep for two hours and somebody would page you and you'd be running back to the lab again. <laughs> wow. So honestly, falling asleep was no problem. It's just when it was going to end that was a problem. And how long? So does the sky a little bit today remind you of what it would look like up there in a couple of days during the summertime? Even you had some nice weather it, it did snow a few times didn't it? it did snow a few times and there was a lot of fog we were socked in by fog all the time and somebody recently asked me very interesting if if that was climate change and i said well what you got to remember is that the arctic has no landmass; that it's water surrounded by land and so it's very natural for fog to accumulate right i mean you're you're the guy rick wait wait yeah. wait 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 oh, doesn't yeah. santa lives at the north pole so how, how there was what? this red blur in the water oh okay <laughs> oh don't worry kids he's he's a good swimmer <laughs> Oh, it no, better be. It, it, it's true. What Michelle mentioned was anytime you get, you know, slugs of warm, moist air uh, moving northward over very cold surfaces, whether or not it's land, sea, um, that's been frozen or even, you know, snow on the ground, um, the snow is melting and literally condensing into visible moisture, which is advection fog. And not really understanding that um, from the ground, you think it's foggy everywhere, but it's probably foggy only to like maybe. 20 or 30 feet up and then above that is probably some sun so every once in a while you'll get that weird looking sun shining through the dense fog type of scenario uh but yeah that's very that's very common in, in the um uh in the summertime for sure there's a lot uh, but of even the snow that today does does happen up there which is unusual but 
Um, you were up there during one of the warmest periods ever in the Arctic, so um, you timed it yeah. just right. Yeah, you, you, you know, you know, even if the world's coming to an end, at least you get to w- witness it firsthand from up there, right? They did, and I got to see those polar bears while they were still around. Oh no, don't even say that, all right? Uh, but it's true. Well, don't don't say the world's coming to an end. You'll be you'll be in that in that alarmist category, Mike. We don't want that. Uh, you know, uh, I've I've had. Alarmist. I'm sorry, I've had the alarmists on my show. Uh, Guy McPherson from, uh, do you know uh, him, Michelle, by any chance? I haven't met him personally. Um, He's got a blog that's called Earth Bats Last, okay? And his whole point is that it's it's over. He says we're past, we're at endgame, all right? Well, I'm telling you that there are people out there who are university professors and scientists who say, who look at their numbers and say the game is up. Um, and I know you're positive, and that's that's one of the things you point out in microcosm. Yours is a message of hope that we can, if we well, learn about well, the... Mike, yes. As, as an instructor and as a teacher, you can't go in the classroom telling kids mm-hmm. that it's over. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have to give them some hope. Otherwise, otherwise, they go, well, why am I here then for the next 16 weeks? Yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> that's right, go party. standpoint... If you approach it from that standpoint, every day is you, you might as well have the, the German monks from the year eight, 800 A.D. just sit in the back of your class and him all the time. I mean, it's going to be a very boring classroom. You can't do that. And I think that's one of the things about about having reality, as, you know, um, look at you in the face. Reality is not now. Reality is 75, 100, 125 years from now. And that may sound weird, and that may sound ironic, and that may sound like a dichotomy, but that's the only way you can approach climate change is reality is 125 years from now. And I want to add to that, Rick. You're so right, Rick. You are so right. And I think, too, what the question that I always pose to my students, it's life is going to go on, but what quality of life do you want to live? That, that's what right. it really comes right. down to is life will continue, but what's the landscape right. going to look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what is and what is and what is your conscious going to be like? Yeah, because if you if you're if you're in this class and you're, and you're in this program, are you in it to make a difference or you're in it to stick your head in the sand and just get mad at everybody? Because getting mad at people, we realize in the last election doesn't help. It really doesn't. We were beaten, and we weren't beaten by a popular vote. We were beaten by um, a, a, Money. A, a very different kind of vote. It was, um, yeah. yeah, money was part of it. But but, but um, what Rick but, is saying is that so we, these people had anger, it was a, it was a, and they acted it on it. Strategic vote, right? Right. Well, it, they acted on it in the right way. You know, I you right say way. it was strategy. I don't. I think it was. Oh, yeah. I think it was lashing out myself. Because if you if you took two seconds to look at who you were putting in to this office, you would have run screaming from the room. So the people who did that didn't employ strategy in my book. They just lashed right. out in right. anger. And now, you know, there, there's the backlash to that. There's the anger at the people who were angry. And then there will be the right. ang- people who are angry at the people who are angry at the people who are angry. Right. It's, it's going to go right. on forever. So, and it's right. all and their that, fault. And that, and that backlash kind of went away about two weeks ago when all the massive protests ended. Now you have to figure out, okay, what can what can things be done different? Because I still get, and I know Michelle probably ended up with this thing as well. You walked into the classroom the day a few a few days after the election, and you still had kids going, "How did that happen? Oh yeah, my God, what is, what is, what do we have to do?" Absolutely. And that's where you that's where reality is. You know, you're you're. Um, your life, your kid's life, and your kid's kid's life. Because 
you know, these kids now who are 20, you know, they'll be having a family in, in 10 years, and in, and in 20 years their kids will be having a family. So they literally have to think about their grandkids in the year 2125. And when you put that to them, their eyes literally open up wide and they freak out. They go, holy smoke, you mean I have 100 years to still act on this? Yeah, you do. And I think that's where the, that's where the hard part is. And you know what, Mike and Peg, there's no books on that. There, there's none. You, you got you got to kind of figure that out on your own, and you have to have one of these seminal moments. And I'm sure Michelle had some of those on the boat up in the Arctic. And you have to have some some time with yourself and your inner self, and walk around and look out over the shores of Lake Michigan and go, you know what? It's got to be a different way of doing this. And um, no wow. one teaches us that. That's that's the part that comes from within. That's hard. I really smell is. TED Talk. <laughs> See, now we've got Michelle doing it. Uh, Michelle does a TED Talk. And, and Rick, you got to do a TED Talk on this because nobody's talking about this. Nobody's saying that our goal is to look 100 years down the line and make sure that uh, this planet is still here and, and it's a livable planet. Um, and, and that is a, an extraordinary way of looking at it, especially since you are, as you say, uh, teaching students, if all goes well, they will see people alive. They will live or at least produce uh, progeny that will be alive in the 22nd century. Uh, it's, it's kind right. of stunning and, to and, think and about. I, yeah, and I think a lot of this comes from, you know, I understand that students were upset and they were mad and they were protesting, but... If you look at what happened in the election, you got to learn from that. You got to realize that, you know, being alarmist and having all these wonderful, you know, you know, some of the movies that the, um, you know, that these actors um, and and other documentarists, not in, not not including Michelle here, because obviously she's doing something a little bit more different related to the biosphere, um, ha- have not have not moved the needle enough or have swayed public opinion. Then you got to come. You got to you know step, take a step back and go. Okay, it's not so much what are we doing wrong, but what are we not doing good enough? And you have to refocus, and you have to you know kind of sharpen up your tools, and, and maybe figure out a different way of doing it. But it, it it clearly didn't work well enough. It worked well for some, but it didn't work well enough. And therefore, I don't think if if the if the hammer doesn't hit the nail and make the nail go all the way into the wood straight. You just don't hit it harder. You, you, you pull it out, you throw that nail away, you try another nail, and you take a couple of you know, more measured approaches to it and hopefully get it in in three tries rather than 20, if that's an analogy that, someone, that people can kind of you know, latch on to. Well, I do like the idea of taking a hammer to somebody, but that's a different – I don't think that's where you were going with that. Uh, okay, uh, let's talk a little climate here since uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things I read about – I was telling Michelle earlier – um, by the way, folks, that's uh, Michelle Hoffman Trotter in the studio with us, um, continuing our conversation with Rick DeMaio here, who's meteorologist, and uh, Peggy Malecki is here in the studio as well. It's the Mike Novak Show, if you're listening, and we're just busting over 11 a.m. into overtime. Um, but I saw this article yesterday about how the uh, polar vortex is having a hard time establishing itself over the right. North Pole in that it's being right. it's being pushed around and it might end up here in North America. Well, I mean, th- those things are going to happen. I think in the short term, that's not something that you look at and you go, oh, my God, that's terrible. Okay. Um, 
I mean, it, it, it's, it's just part of the upper stream of the atmosphere, just kind of, you know, basically trying to align itself. I don't think, I don't think, you know, meteorologists and climate scientists spend too much time worrying about, you know, where the, the polar vortex is. It's actually a fairly, you know, small part of the flow of the atmosphere. I think we, we, we get more so, um, I think we get more so alarmed if it, if it's not there or it's, it's someplace where it shouldn't be. Like the but equator. The it, it, yeah, yeah, or, or, or way too far south. Or you had this, you know, strong, you know, uh, marineodal flow, which means north-south, something like that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not completely out of the question. But I think what's, what's more interesting is the fact that, you know, we finished up our fall, which was the period of September 1st to November 30th, as the fourth warmest on record. Um, it was incredibly dry, and I never thought I'd be talking about, you know, 13 people dying in wildfires in Tennessee, and those wildfires happened in the last week of November. I mean, that, that to me is, is climate change, and that was all a result from the incredibly strong, you know, El Nino and, and the warmth and the dryness that we had across, you know, the deep south um, that literally started in almost June. And I guess, you know, the, the thing that makes me more concerned, Mike, is that here you have a city like Gatlinburg, which is a fairly populated area. And, and how did these people end up getting, you know, caught in, in wildfires um, and end up literally having no place to go? Because if you look at the, where those houses are, you basically have mountains behind them, a road in front of them. And they were literally trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in California, we have those kind of situations because of the way that, you know, the, the atmosphere uh, lends itself to incredibly dry winds and you get these Santa Anas. But, but this, is, this is going down as the worst, you know, natural disaster relating to wildfires in Tennessee history in the last 125 years. And it's not being talked about enough from a standpoint of, of how did 13 people get caught in this? Um, and it also happened in November, which means to tell me that people weren't psychologically and mentally ready for it, which I don't think anybody was. We knew it was dry, but people don't go, yeah, it's after Thanksgiving, we're going to have the wildfire season come through. That doesn't happen. So this wow. is what we talk about yeah. when you have these, these, these type of events where people just mentally aren't ready for them. And that's why we say about reality is in 125 years, because that area has increasingly um, populated, you know, some, some areas around Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg with more and more people who are living in retirement homes. So now you think 100 years from now, you're not going to have people in their 60s and 70s, but people in their 70s and 80s. And what would happen if you have a retirement home in that area? What happens if you have people living in a subdivision that wasn't there now and you have it there 100 years from now? That's what you got to think about, is how to relate what's happening now to what could happen in 120 years. And it's all about the further distribution of population into these urban wildlife areas or interfaces that we've never had before. And that's a question that needs to be asked, and I don't think it is. Interesting. Yeah, we need to. Well, you said it yourself, though. It's like, who expects the wildfire mm-hmm. season to start in late right. November right. in Tennessee, of all places? Right. Yeah. It's like it when one we of the had... hardest things to do. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the hardest things to do is to predict a major weather event or an extreme climactic event based on something that hasn't happened before. So, so you have to you have to you have to think ahead. You almost have to put 
three weeks of planning into about an hour. <laughs> and that's and that's really, really difficult. And that's where things are going. It, it, yeah, you look back and you, and you get into these these events where, okay, something happened long term. But all of these things are easy to look at when you go back into time. But the hardest thing for us now is we have to go into the future, which is why I keep talking about you can't say it's done, it's over with. you got to put that off to the side. you got to think about how things are going to be. I am merely a reporter. I just, <laughs> you know, I have people come I on know, my show, and they have they have viewpoints, and I want to hear them. When they, If, if oh. somebody who's been a professor at the University of Arizona and is a professor emeritus comes on my program and says it's over, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. Yeah. I want to hear what he's got to say. Just, yeah. just no, telling I, you. I, I, I totally understand. That's that's why the the, the halls of of college uh, departments are some of the best places to have discussions like that because these are people who are all pretty smart, all pretty educated, but the fact that they can still disagree on something I think is good. Can you imagine we all walked around, we all agree with everybody all the time? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You wouldn't get anywhere. <laughs> right? Yeah, we're doing fine. Enrollment is down. Don't worry about it. We're fine. Why? Well, maybe you can do something differently. Well, enrollment's... you, you got to be able to argue. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And you've got to be discussion like that. Quintessential academia. it, it doesn't academia. mean that you're arguing, but, but you're discussing points of contention that you, you believe are, are different from a standpoint of how things are going to be 100 years from now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether or not this person is is old and kaji and just wants to go into the world and sit on the back porch drinking in Manhattan the rest of the afternoon? Or do you want to really make a difference? Because when you really want to make a difference, they're not putting Michelle and me on a pedestal, you begin to kind of, you, you test yourself a little bit. And you go, man, I don't think I connected. What did I do wrong? What did I do that was not as good? What did I do that was not as right? And that's, that's really, really hard to do, is to say to yourself every once in a while, I've got to do things differently. Um, so yeah, when, when you look at what happened in Tennessee, that was a big deal. And, and, and you, and when these kids go, really, it's up to 13. Okay. Do people start to notice when it's 130? Yeah. 13 is like an acceptable number. We go, okay, it was 13. That to me is a big number because it should have, it shouldn't have been one. It really should have been. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it just goes to show you that we weren't ready and we weren't aware and we probably didn't, you know, thread the needle, so to say, all the way from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, things are, things are changing and, and the, the change may be, may be, may be slow, but, but the consequences sometimes and how that change occurs can be, you know, overnight. Yeah. And it's, 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 yeah, it's really, it really makes you think twice about things. So, so here we are finishing up the, one of the second warmest and driest falls around here ever, and all of a sudden we got snow moving through. You know, a couple of days ago, it looked like this was going to be more of a wet snow, and I looked back at that event last week, Mike. If you remember, I was on the program saying, we'll get some light rain and some drizzle, and then I'm looking at the moisture coming out of the southwest. I'm like, wow, this is actually more than I thought. And you go, okay, we got some rain out of it, and it kept raining and raining and raining. We got almost an inch and a half of rain. Yeah, you you had said, what was interesting, last week you said, we need a nice, gentle, all-day rain, give us about an inch, and everything would be perfect. And And there it was. And that was it. Right, but but everything, even 24 hours out, they were going to get about a half inch here and an inch mainly to the east. And then this whole thing started to develop a little bit further west and longer, and it kept raining and raining and raining. And everybody went to bed the next day, and Monday was kind of cloudy, and Tuesday got up to 57. Everybody forgot about it. You know why? Because it was rain. If that would have been 32 degrees, we would have been digging out of a foot of snow. And everybody would have been saying, holy smoke, what happened? How did we miss this? Blah, blah, blah. But no one talks about it when it's wet. 
I went back and looked at it and went, how did they miss this? Where did this come from? And you can see the moisture streaming in. Models just did not pick up on it. Similar to this, about a day ago, you can see the moisture increasing. You can see the, the, the system digging a little bit. A couple of days ago, it looked like rain and snow. Then Friday looked like maybe an inch. Yesterday looked like an inch or two. Now we can get three to four inches of snow out of this. And it, and it looks like it could be a pretty good snow for this time of the year. And people go, oh, my God, it's snowing up, but it is early December. So I don't think people are shocked about it. But from a meteorological standpoint, this is a short-term miss. This really is. No one's on, no one, no one 36 hours ago thought we'd have four inches of snow out of this. So it shows you that you never, ever stop being a scientist, even when you think you know what's going on. It's very humbling, but that's that's the best thing about it. It keeps you sharp. Those darn variables. Yeah, gosh. You know. Well, you know, and that's why you're here. You you explain these things and and we really appreciate it and, and I love it actually when the meteorologists miss. And 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 it's a shame yeah. and it's a shame because uh folks will go, Oh, I could guess just as well as that weather guy, but no, no you no. really can't. No, don't don't even no. go down and that I, road. I, you know, you know, I, I don't think it was a miss. I think just two days ago we would have liked to have told people there's going to be snow. But you know what? I don't think we're getting a lot of people complain. It's on a Sunday. We, we kind of told them it was going to be snow, and then we went from one to two to two to four. There's not much of a difference there. But, you know, people could have been having travel plans today, which all of a sudden, are, you know, kind of squashed because of that. I got to go to Carol's stream is- after this, okay? So <laughs> I, I got, I'm caroling out in Carol's stream. Yeah, you, it's. It's it's not going to be an easy commute. The roads are getting kind of slicker. Right? Oh dear! Um, and I'll send you some stuff. I'll send you a, a PowerPoint after we're done here that kind of goes. Into the, <laughs> you sent me one earlier. That's stuff. the other thing about uh, you got to understand, uh, Michelle, about Rick. He sends us PowerPoints. I and, know he uh, does. He's a teacher. I know. It's, it's <laughs> He's a, an educator. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love the ones with the kids but, running out of school is, at the end. One of the best ways to communicate. You can put a lot of stuff in there as long as the email is, is, is large oh. enough to. Um, you know, to, to push that through. Exactly. I'm with you, Rick. site next. So, so let me ask you this, Michelle. So um, would you go back? Would I go back in a heartbeat? To the Arctic? Oh, okay. Oh, God, yeah. There you go. In a heartbeat. Yeah, and, and what, if you're listening, and, and Bob, I'll would, pack you food, I promise. I'll leave you guys food and clean laundry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how, how is the food? Because, Mike, you got to realize, Michelle and I, we used to have the same schedule. We would talk all the time. We don't have the same schedule anymore, so we don't have the chance to do that. So we really haven't gotten into the, you know, into the weeds on this. Uh, but it, it, to me, it sounded like it was one of those things where you're on a boat, and the boat is obviously in, in the Arctic, so there's going to be waves, and there's going to be ice, and there's going to be fog. But at the same time, every once in a while, did you, did you find yourself going to the back of the boat and just looking out at the at the at the endless uh, at the endless um, ocean ice whatever you want to call it. I made going, a point. I'm on top of the world. I did, and I made a point of doing that every day to appreciate where I was and to appreciate that cool. people yeah. will never get to see it. And sometimes I would just sit there in silence, and sometimes I would listen to a favorite song just to sort of ingrain it. Because, you know, the thing I, I, I didn't anticipate is that when we got back to port, the smell of earth was so overwhelming, and mm. out there you didn't yeah. realize it was gone. There was not a smell. Mm. There was not mm-hmm. a sound. We saw no birds in the air. We saw no planes, right. no boats, and. And then you get back and there was just this really powerful evergreen smell. And I was like, whoa, it was just the most overwhelming sensory experience ever. Uh, interesting. 
That's yeah. cool stuff. All right, we need to get to uh, a forecast here. We know yeah. we're going to get about four inches of snow. What happens after that? Yeah, um, at three, three to four today, um, it'll be kind of wet and slushy in most areas. Uh, it'll remain on the ground probably through, I would say, Tuesday at least. We'll get into the mid-30s tomorrow. It'll be a very cloudy, foggy day. We'll probably get into the um, melting stage for sure on Tuesday. Uh, and ever, whatever doesn't melt, uh, is going to turn into an icy, hard, crusty mess uh, oh, Tuesday night no. into Wednesday. I know. This is so, really, people, get out and shovel, man. This is like when, <laughs> when you don't do that, the sidewalk is Get out and mess. shovel, man. Right, that's a tweet. Rick DeMaio says, <laughs> get out. Ostably. Yeah, I, I, I certainly can't run for mayor if I say that, right? Get out and shovel, man. Get out and shovel, man. Um, uh, I'd but, vote for but, you. But falling... I would too. Falling through the 20s late in the day on on Wednesday, so high of only 30 on Wednesday and low 20s on Thursday. Uh, kind of moderated a bit on Friday, and we could see more significant snow um, Saturday night into Sunday. So the pattern for the next three weeks is very very active. Uh, uh, so winter has begun, and it has uh-oh. begun with the bang. And I guess I got to get my. Uh... Holiday lights up now, huh? Yeah. I should have done it. Uh, but you know what I did? You'll be really proud of me, Rick. On um, the last, that, that day that it got up to 60 this week. Yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah, it was beautiful. You know what I was doing? I was cleaning what? my gutters. I was on a, oh, I was on a ladder. I know. I was on a ladder. I was, not only did I like, scoop out all the leaves and muck in the gutters, I actually dragged mm-hmm. the hose up there and gave it a power oh, spray. Wow. Yeah. I'm so proud of myself because I knew that was going to be the last chance uh, before everything right. yeah. went crazy. Doesn't it seem like, Mike, that that Tuesday was like two weeks ago? Yes. Mm-hmm. It seems like it was two years ago, okay? And it, and it was an amazing day. And then, you know, then the clouds obviously came in on Wednesday, but it was like, I kept telling people, enjoy this, enjoy it. And they're looking at me going, yeah, whatever, it's nice. And I'm like, no, 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 you understand, enjoy it. Because then when you start to walk on the icy, crusty snow because people haven't shoveled their walk. Um, you realize that it was. <laughs> I think was, Rick's got to be in his bonnet about the people <laughs> shoveling their walks. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. So uh, I'll be sending that stuff to you and uh, a great show once again, Mike. And and you have one of the best scientists on there with Michelle Hoffman. She is. um, She is awesome. You're you're in good company. Yes. I am so happy to have her here. And I'm always happy to have you on the show, too, Rick. Uh, So have a great week and uh, we will see you next Sunday. Sounds good. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, Rick. Cheers. Um, And I beat. From uh, Celesta1013, who said, all right, she's like posting like well, crazy. She said, use she's, LED holiday L- lights. Use LED holiday lights. Yes. <laughs> Very so, good. Uh, yes, I am going to get my LED. I actually have some, but part of the problem is I have one of those long chains of the twinkle lights where half of them went out. And I've been mm-hmm. reusing them for two years. Mm-hmm. Where I put them up anyway outside, and I just sort of bunch up the the, the half of the string. Me that, too. Do you do that? Yes. <laughs> you bunch up the half of the string that doesn't work, um, and then you use the other ones. But I, I I'm going to see if they work at all this year, and you know maybe reuse them again. Well, that's what I did Tuesday afternoon. I'm 
Just put the holiday lights put out? Put the holiday lights out. They all worked perfectly oh, last year. Oh, I don't want to hear that. And oh, last year? this year, half of them aren't working, so I <laughs> wadded it up in a big ball, the other half, and stuck it under the bushes and said... I can use some of the LEDs now. But what's really great is a lot of places will recycle those, like Scarce. Yes. We um, uh, we love the people at Scarce, but they're not the only ones who will recycle mm-hmm. those lights. You can do that more and more places. Do you have right. any offhand other than them? Um, I think Swalco will take them in Lake County. Uh-huh. So, but don't quote me. Look but, it up. you know, recycle as much as you can. That's been part of the show. Yes, don't throw them out. Uh, so I think we're at that point. You get to be... Do you know how the the show ends? I don't know if you remember. Go green or go home. Oh, she she's naughty. She's like she's like. Oh yeah, I I, I got this. I got this. All right. So then, if if I did not do that on purpose. <laughs> you shouldn't have admitted that. <laughs> we, <laughs> see, now, that's not, see, when it's, all right, I don't even know. Which, what is that, is that, I think it's supposed to be this one. Real butter. There we go. But it, wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be that other thing. Oh, oh my. my. Okay. <laughs> on I, that note. On the, I, what I meant to play is. Okay, and I want to thank. Everybody on the show today, uh, including Mel Nickerson from Accurate Strategies and the Illinois Recycling Association, and Melanie Eckner from Chicago Sustainability Leaders Network, who gave us our phrase of the day. Ausdeblieft. Ausdeblieft. And Michelle Hoffman, sometimes known as Michelle Hoffman Trotter, sometimes known as, hey, get me a sandwich. So until next week, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, What? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.